Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware. Well, first of all, uh, this is our first show of 2020 and our 172nd show on the TalkShoe platform. We started many years even before that on uh, Blog Talk Radio. And in that time, we've had the great pleasure of speaking to, I guess, several hundred football players. Uh, some of whom have long successful NFL careers, like, uh, well, I guess, I think future Hall of Famers, a couple of them at least, uh, <laughs> we've wanted to, uh, starting, I guess, uh, with a, a group from Georgia. We had a bunch of guys from Georgia on all, all at once. Uh, Ray Curry, who's had a fairly successful career up in the CFL and now is himself in the uh, sports media business, but he does um, color commentary for... I think it's TSN is what they call it up there in Canada. Um, we had Kwame Gathers on from that Gathers family that includes Jumpy Gathers and Clayton Gathers and some others. I think it's total five members of the Gathers family that played in the NFL at one point or another. Uh, yeah, a couple of the guys on. But the one, the one that most people will be familiar with is Geno Atkins, who I think one day will be in the Hall of Fame. He was a pleasure to speak to, and I think it was our second year on the talk shoe platform after leaving Blockstar Radio, we had that group on. Uh, Julius Thomas, who had a very nice career as a tight end, and now is actually a concussion researcher. He's getting his uh, doctorate right now, as we speak, and is becoming a concussion researcher. Uh, a medical researcher, a young man who, when I spoke to him, only played one year of college football. He'd actually been a basketball player, went to Portland State, like many tight ends, had a strong basketball scholarship, went to Portland State on a basketball scholarship, ended up getting an invitation to the East-West Shrine game, had a great East-West Shrine game, got drafted by the um, Broncos, got to be on a Super Bowl team, catching passes from Peyton Manning, which is I imagine pretty cool, and then got to finish his career with the uh, Jacksonville Jaguars, and now is going off to do great things in medical field researching um, chronic traumatic brain injury, which of course, unfortunately, is something that is also common and has been also common in our great game of football. Um, we've had young men who, who, who were not reasoning NFL didn't work out for them, but they went on to be great at something else. Um, there was an award given not too long ago to a young man who I had on the show years ago. He was back when we were on the old Block Talk radio show. And he's now a he's won an award for his work in crime prevention. He is a sheriff's deputy in Erlanger, Kentucky. Right? Uh, Wyatt Wyatt Dyer. I mean, football ends for all of us, right? Um, for me it ended around the age. Exactly. Right. I had, I had a coach turn to me and let me know. He didn't say it in so many words, but that just wasn't going to work out for me. Uh, many years ago, I played for Norfolk State, 
And by playing, I mean he stood next to my D coordinator and bugged him about trying to get into the game. And uh, Coach Hurd looked at me and uh, looked at Jeff Gold, who was uh, a punt and kickoff returner and wide receiver. I thought he was about to put me in the game. But we're playing this uh, night game in the rain, heavy, heavy rain in, uh, against Shaw in, in North Carolina. And Shaw, uh, and it was this, I mean, rain coming down sideways, like something out of a movie. And our punt returner and uh, one of our back, our right team, he was this kid was also playing a sprinter. He's on our track team, Jeff Gold. And Jeff had uh, just returned a kick and torn up his jersey doing so. He called me over to him. I was like, oh, man, I'm going to win the game. Coach actually called me over, stood me next to Jeff, said, I'm still about the same size, called the ref over, let him know that there was a, <laughs> a uniform number chase, told me to give Jeff my, uh, my jersey. And that was the moment mm-hmm. I knew I wasn't headed to the Hall of Fame. I wasn't headed to the <laughs> I wasn't headed to any place wow. back to class. That's what it did right. me, that football wasn't going to be my, you know, my life's destiny, other than being around again. That's what it did me. Now, right. for, you are much more talented young man. So, uh, <laughs> hopefully, you will not have such a similar experience. I doubt you have not. You've managed to have a, a significant collegiate career no. as opposed to being out in a handful of plays. So, yes, sir. tell me, how did you and football meet? Uh, how were you introduced to the game? <laughs> Well, I mean, I've been playing football since, I mean, I was five years old, honestly. My dad played football. He played at University of Memphis, like, back in the day. So he played receiver. And, you know, I was just one of those things my dad said I was a natural at. Just I wanted to play. I wanted to hit. I wanted to make plays. And I was playing running back, you know, so I started. Everybody plays running back. But I was playing running back to start. And, yeah, basically since I was five years old playing tackle football out there with the big boys playing up, getting hit, all that. Like, just love the whole game right. and been loving it ever since. Okay. Now, what was your father's name? Because I'm old enough that I may have well oh. seen your father play. Yeah, My- Michael Harper. Okay. I mean, he only scored three touchdowns, so it didn't look like he did too much. <laughs> yeah. He said, he said, he said, I mean, my dad was, my dad, my dad's like 58. So back then Memphis, I mean, they were, they were Memphis State back then when he went to yeah. college. I, I, I've been to Memphis yeah. State back when I was on Memphis State. Ask your dad about a place called Big Tom College Inn. Your dad will know it. I don't think it exists okay, anymore. Okay, Big Tom but College Inn. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so he said that he said they didn't have a good quarterback. He said he was good, but they didn't have a good quarterback, <laughs> so he couldn't get the ball as much. That's what I love about wide receivers. You always have an explanation, right? Right. Coach didn't like to throw the ball. I don't know. I mean, I know he was. I mean, he was good in high school. I give him that. He is in his. Right. He's in his high school Hall of Fame. I mean, you know, okay. he's a for athlete. So I mean, I give him that one. He is in his high school Hall of Fame. Okay. So okay, to, you back. Yes, yeah, so he had to be. He just started to be back to play, but it was a very different time. Right. And right. No, if he was at Memphis now, <laughs> he'd see the ball a lot more yeah. because they throw the ball. Yeah, he'd see the ball a, a ton lot more. But they weren't very good back then, so I, I feel him. I feel him. I feel him. You know, a receiver. You know, your whole career depends on the quarterback. Darn near. You know. Yep. 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 
Right. That's another I mean, reason why my dad wanted me to play DB. So, like, eighth grade year, you know, I was getting tall. You know, I was leaning out. He's like, nah, you're not a running back. You're not going to be able to take that. Move to DB. He didn't want me to have to depend on nobody. So, every play, every down, is, it depended on me, essentially. Right. Right. So, you know, I kind of, well, you know, I live and die on my own. Right. Good point. I mean, the great thing about playing, I think, the positions with the most amount of independence of action are probably safety and corner. I played a little bit of both, mostly safety, because I, I was not a gifted athlete, as I think I might have mentioned earlier. But I had a good head right. for the game. So, so coaches liked having me play safety because I, guess I was a bit of a young people lined up. I knew what everyone was supposed to be doing. I just wasn't particularly physically gifted, unfortunately. Uh, I blame my mother, right. mostly. I love my mother, but my mother was a very small, not very well-coordinated woman. My father was a big man. Right. My father, not quite to the extent of your father. My dad was, uh, after high school, my dad got drafted into the Army, so he didn't, he, he didn't go to college until he was older, so football was, you know, right. no longer in his thought process by the time he got to college, but he was a decent right. high school player. And... I grew up in a very football-crazy part of the country. I grew up in Tidewater, Virginia, which is, you know, an area that's given us, I mean, a fair number of athletes for a place of size. You know, we're not about Los Angeles, New York, or Houston. I mean, this is the biggest city in the area where I grew up probably has almost 400,000, maybe around 400,000 now. Uh, but that area gave us guys like, you know, Darren Sharper. The, all, both the Sharper brothers, uh, Jamie and Darren, are from that area. Most people know about Mike Vick. Alan Iverson was a, an amazing high school football player, though he just obviously chose to yeah. focus in on basketball when he got older. But he was the best football player. The three best football players I've ever seen with my own, my own two eyes up close. I saw Bruce Smith at Booker T. Washington High School when I was, I was on the junior varsity at Lake Taylor High School. Oh, that's a classic. He was an yeah, yeah, he was an unstoppable killing machine. I mean, Bruce Smith was just unbelievable in high school. And he was pretty unbelievable in the NFL, too. Um, right. And then two of my cousins played at Lafayette High School in, in Williamsburg with Lawrence Taylor. So mm. they played basketball and football. Tomas and Torre, my, my cousins, both played with uh, uh, Lawrence Taylor, and he was ridiculous. And then, of course, Alan Iverson. Those are the three best players I've seen up close my own eyes, and I saw them all in high school. Uh, so it's pretty ridiculous. Uh, I've seen some pretty ridiculous guys since then. I mean, I saw Julius Peppers at training camp for the Bears up close, and it was like, your brain has trouble believing somebody that size can move like he moves. Right. Yeah, moments like that, I realized, yeah, I was not built to play football <laughs> at that level. Where people look like him and move like that, I wasn't built for that. Like, God bless people who are. I was not one of them. Okay, so your dad got you started. Eventually, your dad talked you into playing DB. Now, most kids at first don't embrace it. Were you, did you embrace it right away, or did it take you a while to get used to not being I mean, the ball I mean, I agree. Hand? I mean, like, my dad's been coaching me my whole life, so I never, you know, I've always trusted him. He's always done right by me. And, I mean, like, switching over, yeah, like, I kind of – wanted to get, still get the ball and still make plays, but at the same time, like, I've been watching football my whole life. So, like, you know, by the eighth grade, I mean, like, I'm not saying, like, I knew everything about the game, but, like, I knew kind of, like, how the game was changing 
and like the need for DBs. And my dad was like, man, you can go to college and do this, like your size and your length. And then I seen that, and I was like, man, I can, I can do this. And then, you know, seeing players like Richard Sherman, and play, you know, players like that, yeah. at that height right. and that size, and doing the things they're doing and making waves in the league. And now you have people like, you know, Xavier Rhodes and, you know, a bunch of taller DBs now, you know, Jalen Ramsey and all that. Oh, yeah. so I was like, yeah, right. I can do this. So, yeah, I didn't have right. no problem with it. And it was, I mean, I was, always, I was always a good athlete, you know. So, I mean, I played a bunch of stuff, did a whole bunch of stuff. So, it was it really was no problem. Just, you know, obviously just took a lot of drills and a lot of work, and I basically got it. Right, because what I always ask people to think about when I tell, try to explain the world that a corner has to live in, you're very often facing the best athlete on the other team. Best athlete they have in their whole right. team. You're likely to be facing that person. They know where they're going. You have to beat them to where they're going, but do it running backwards. Exactly. Try that on for size. The next time you want to yell at the TV about how that guy get beat. Yeah, especially like nowadays, you know, you got people running four threes, you know, four twos, and it's like I'm going backwards. So if I'm if I'm a step off, that's a catch. That's a touchdown. It's a first down. Like, you know, just one of the positions that, like you said, people don't really get to. They don't really understand the type of level of intensity and just you know how hard it is really just being out there and being a step off or certain plays that you know just why did you know how people be like why he didn't make that or you know this and that. It's just different out there on the field. Well, I mean, there's so many things going on. So if you're playing zone, there's there's sometimes even a moment where you're trying to figure out if this guy is even your guy, right? Then you add to that, what if it's it's a team that has been pounding you in the run game? Now it's a play-action pass. You took half a step forward. Not all steps, half a step. Like you kind of slid forward like four or five inches. That could be enough. That's all it takes. Right. Especially if the quarterback exactly. is accurate and has a strong arm. You don't need to overreact. You don't need to hesitate. That's it. Right. Exactly. And it's like the way quarterbacks, you know, now it's just like every level that I got up. So, like, obviously, you know, like middle school quarterbacks weren't like that. Then you get to high school, then you're going to face a couple better quarterbacks. And I had the, you know, greatness of going to school with Shane Bouchel. He's also my neighbor, a great oh, quarterback. Okay. At UTF. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm sure so, you know, the Bouchelle family, yeah. his father, of course, was a tremendous – sort of like a yeah. Pat Mahomes, right? The father was a great baseball yeah. player and the son is a great quarterback. Right. So, you know, I had you know, the greatness of going against him. So, knowing how, you know, going all through high school, knowing how, you know, a, a college-level quarterback should be throwing the ball and that prepared me, you know, to, to get ready for college. And obviously going to college Oklahoma State, and playing against, you know, with Mason Rudolph and covering James Washington, Marcel Aitman, Chris Lacey, and just, you know, just, you know, big, you know, a bunch of big dudes. So that, that prepared me. And so, you know, quarterbacks, they just drop the dimes. Like, like certain yes. plays, I don't even think the public understands that the DB is in good coverage. I mean, it, I mean, not even a point centimeter of an inch difference between him and the man. And the quarterback drops a ball where it's just, you just can't get to it. That's the thing that you. That's the thing that people don't really, really, really understand. Like mm-hmm. a lot of, I mean, a lot of the guys say, "Well, I played high school ball, dude." Yeah, I know you. We all played high school ball. You don't understand. Right. If you were within four feet of a guy, the quarterback wasn't going to try to get fit it in there. In the NFL, if they could see a little piece of the guy's helmet, so yeah, he's open. 
I can stick it on this shoulder, this high above the DB. He'll jump up. He'll turn his body. It'll be fine. <laughs> right. And it's crazy. People just don't get it. Yeah, it's crazy out there. And that's the benefit of my dad's team. Okay. He knew I was going to be about 6'2", 6'3". I'm 195 pounds. And being with my arm length, I just will be able to make certain plays on that ball that maybe shorter guys can't. And that's the benefit. You know, you know, you know who you remind me of? Speaking of Oklahoma State, you know who you remind me of. I'm sure this name has been brought to you before, Trace Lowers. Oh, that's my dog. Yeah, that's my dog. Well, I know. Yeah. And you guys look like that's, brothers. I mean, you know, I don't know yeah, that, faces, that's my dog, the body. Man. I just talked to him, too. I wish them luck today, too. You know what I'm saying? So they got to, they yes. you know, get right. Yes. Well, has he been talking to you about about what it's like to make that jump from, you know, where you were to where you're, where you're headed? I mean, he basically just told me to keep working. And keep doing what I've always done. I mean, he's seen me when I was my freshman year. I mean, you know, he just seen me like grow up. And obviously, you know, when I left Oklahoma State, it was hard on everybody. Everybody was sad. But you know, he always just told me to keep going. Like they, you know, they know I'm a good athlete. They know I'm a good corner. He just told me to keep working, keep perfecting your technique. And he was like, "You're gonna be fine in the league." I mean, honestly, he was like, "You do, you just do everything right. You just keep working your technique. Keep going out there, giving 100 percent effort. You'll you'll be fine." But he definitely said it's a jump though. But we talked about it with the quarterback, route running. Everything, you know, he told me, like, you got to just step your game up. But, I mean, that, I feel like every year, you know, from middle school to high school, you to step your game up. From high school to college, to step your game up. I feel like every year at college, you know what I'm saying, you get a little better, you get techniques a little crisper, you get a little wiser about the game. So, he said, just making that transition, just soaking everything up and, you know, just trying to go through, just really go through everything with, with good effort and learn from people. Learn from the older dudes on the team, from the coaches, and really get in your playbook and, you know, try to be the best out there. Now, you mentioned your dad, who obviously has been a great influence upon you, uh, a guy right. who played at a high level, a guy who obviously understands the game. Who else? Uh, who else has been influential? Who else has helped to make you the, the player you are today? Uh, my mentor, Mike Hawkins, he had got drafted to the Packers, played in the league like five, six years. I've been training with him since I was in the eighth grade. So, you know, just having that and, you know, him being in the league that long and having that knowledge. I mean, he went to OU for a year, went to uh, play for Desperados, and then, you know, ended up running the 4-2, getting drafted. So, like, you know, just having that, him as a background on me, just, you know, he's been giving me knowledge about the league since I was in eighth grade, telling me, you know, this is how you train, this is how you work and everything. And I've always had that work ethic from my dad. I mean, like, I remember I was in elementary you know how most kids on Saturdays watch cartoons? Well, my dad had me running right. hills on Saturday, every Saturday. Uh-huh. I ran track. Yeah, I did everything. Like, I ran track. I played soccer. I played basketball. I mean, I did gymnastics. I did, you know, I did ballet. I did Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Like, my schedule was full. We, okay. we were working. We was humming. humming. <laughs> yeah, we were humming. Okay. <laughs> That's a long list. <laughs> yeah, we were hungry. Yeah, we were hungry. Like, okay. I was doing it all. Like, and I've been training like this my whole life. Like, I've always been training, always been putting in work. Like, just this is what I've been doing. So, having my dad, Mike Hawkins, my mentor, just, you know, teaching me the game, training me, teaching me about the league, you know, how to carry yourself, you know, as a person, as a player, you know, how to handle certain situations mm-hmm. that you're going to be, you know, coming to, how to train, how to study, how to prepare. And then, you know, obviously my mom, 
just being that backbone. You know, you know, I'm going through all these sports and everything, so she's handing all the other stuff, my grades, and I was able to graduate on time. I graduated high school early, and all that just allowed me to have, you know, just a, a nice upbringing. And, yeah, like Oklahoma State didn't work out. There's no beef with them and nothing like that. You know, I had to learn as a person myself, and I had to, you know, grow up from that and went to SIU, was able to finish out my career. You know, I was just thankful that I was able to, you know, continue to play football at another, you know, D1 school. So a lot of people don't even get shots to go D1 at first anyways. So, you know, I was just thankful for all that. Right. Well, it's an interesting story. And obviously you still ended up in what I think is one of the best conferences in terms of just competitiveness at any level of football. Right, the Missouri Valley Conference right. is brutal. <laughs> I right. mean, there's no bad teams. There might be teams that have great right. records because you guys beat up on each other, but there's no bad teams in the Missouri Valley Conference. Every year yeah. since 19, don't give me the lion, but I think it's not 19. Anything, sorry, I'm mean, not quite that far. But I think every year since 2006, one at least one team from your conference has beaten a, an SBS team. I'm almost certain that I'm correct. I think every year since 2006, some team yes, in the Missouri Valley Conference, <laughs> and it's not just NDSU. I mean, there's several teams that have gotten, you know, yeah. a Big Ten school. I think people sleep. Um, I think uh, people take this for granted. Yeah. They think, like, the talent. Like, to me, like, a lot of times they just were overlooked in high school. You know, some of them came from small schools, and they really compare yeah. at a top level. And then just, like, the tenacity, yeah. like, like, you know they come from a small school. They they, they got to be perfect, you know, because we might not have the biggest people. We may not have the biggest names, but we got to be perfect in our technique and our assi- assignment. And I feel like, you know, certain big schools, when they play smaller schools, they feel like, okay, you know, it should be a walk in the park or, like, blah, 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 and it gets sloppy. <laughs> you get sloppy. <laughs> you know, we're going to execute. And you obviously see it with North Dakota State, like their execution is just so crazy. I have a ton of respect for that team. The execution is crazy. Like nobody makes mistakes. They they know what they're doing. Yep. Everybody's on, on point with their assignment. Yep. They, they're, just, they're one of the best programs. I don't care what level. They're one of the best programs in the country. They've changed yeah. coaches. They've had a bunch of players come through, and they're great every year. They're a more impressive, right. to me, a more impressive program than Alabama. Alabama – if they lose Coach Saban, will they keep clicking along like this? Maybe. I guess we'll find out someday. But we've seen North Dakota State, you know, go through a couple of coaches. Not a blip. Yeah, Nothing this, this system is crazy. Yeah, this, this system is crazy. Like, I mean, I, I, I like them, you know what I'm saying? So I have, I have a ton of respect for those guys. Uh, their system is crazy. It works. People want to do what they want to do. They want to block. They want to play. Like, it's just that, that standard. Set there is just high, and if you don't meet that standard, they're looking at you like you know, like you're ill. Like, who are you? Like, what are you doing here? And that, that's what I love about football. That's what I've always been taught my whole life. Like, it's a standard of how you play football. It's a standard of how you operate on the field, and that's just what you do. Okay. So since we're walked down this path, and you mentioned obviously young Mr. Bouchelle, you've been around some really good football players in your life. Um, who have yeah. been the best, the most impressive athletes that you've seen up close, either played with or played against in your career? Easy, who are the best guys? Easy, easy, easy. Miles Garrett. I mean, you oh. talk about a beast. Oh. Yeah, Miles Garrett. Yeah, we played, we played with rivals in high school. So, Woo. 
played him. My, he graduated my sophomore year, but I got to play against him. I had a, I had to pick that game too. We won. We beat them too. My sophomore year, just FYI. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you're talking about a monster of a dude out there on the football field. And I'm not even going to talk about his football. We all know he does on the football field. He's a great player. He's a great guy. I mean, he's a really nice guy. Everything's solid. But I'm talking about a man that went, that played that big at football and then goes on the track, and I'm running against this man in the 4 by one just, You know, just register that. You're talking about it. It's hard to even imagine having seen what he looked exactly. like. I mean – I mean, I'm just trying to get it in my head what it must have. He's got to outweigh the next closest person by 40-something pounds. Exactly. We're on the track, running the 4 by one The 4 by one They ain't like the 4x1. <laughs> running the 4 by one You're talking about dudes 6'5", <laughs> over 200 pounds, running the 4 by one and beating, and beating dudes. Right, right, yes. Right, exactly. You know, and I went, yeah. you know, I'm a two-time, you know, it's crazy. And, then, you know, I, went, I hold three records in my high school. Like, you know, I went to state twice. So, like, you know, I went slow. But it's like, dang, this dude, you know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's a DN out here. Normally when you think about football players who run the 100, you're thinking, okay, Corners, wide receivers, occasional running back, maybe a safety by wandering once in a while. But, yeah, you're not thinking linebackers, defensive ends. No, that's not what you think. They had two of them. They had two defensive ends. They had another dude that year. I think he played DN. I think he went to Oregon to play DN. Yeah, it, it, it was a crazy year at Martin, most definitely. Yeah, that is know, crazy. You know, you know, the next best would be Colin Murray. I mean, that man in high school was just unstoppable. Oh, oh, well, he's he's not very stoppable now, and he's just a rookie. So who knows what he'll yeah, be like so, I mean, he really knows what he's crazy. doing. Ahead, ahead of his time, really, really ahead of his time. I mean, like, and we all – Grew up together, younger. Like I got pictures from me, Kyler, and Devin. Like Devin, 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 Devin Duvernay. That's family right there. That's that's they're, they're family, my cousin. Like we. So yeah. you guys work out that's, together? Yeah, we were younger. Yeah, we grew up together. When we were younger, but obviously, you know, they they being out there in Garland and Sashi, we kind of just oh yeah, 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 like that. But I mean, Devin, Devin Duvernay. That's, that's my family. That's that's like that's like my cousin. Like we got pictures when we were, you know, in diapers. Like, they came to all my birthday parties. I went to all their birthday parties growing up. Like, that's family. So, they live out there in uh, in Garland. Sometimes it's hard to get out there and see them. But we see them, try to see them once or twice a year, you know, when we can. And obviously, I you know, we go to Oklahoma State. I was able to see them when they were at Baylor, him and his brother. And obviously, when they know they're at Texas. So, that was, you know, obviously a great family reunion, you know, just seeing them. But, I mean, I still talk to them. My parents are still good friends. Like, my dad and his dad are very good friends and everything. We see Kyle at certain functions and stuff like that. So, it's all love. Okay, well, the thing that stands out to me about Devin Duvernay is how physically strong he is. He's not yeah, huge, he, but he's right. He's, he's, he's good. He's packed hey, in there. Like, you know, he, that boy's He's got some of that Debo, um, Debo Samuels, yeah. only faster. But he, I see yeah. him run right through dude. If, if guys will square up, right. you think you're throwing a shoulder into his chest? No, <laughs> that's not going to do it. Yeah. That's, that's I don't know what you heard. Man, that's <laughs> Most definitely. That's no, he's, he's, not, he's not into being arm tackled. That's not, no, you better bring right. it. You better sink your hips and run your feet. 
and I've been and I've and I've been wanting to cover him so long. That's my family. Like like I got videos like on VHS of us at birthday. That's family. But I want to cover him so bad. But we're gonna get our time. We're gonna get our time. Oh yes, I, that's what I was if you guys. I asked if you guys were working out together because I'd love to. There's some video I'd love to see. Now, yeah, you definitely. also, as you said, you ran track too. Do you know what your your personal best in the hundred was? I wasn't really like a hundred guy. I just ran it for my team. I was more of a three hundred hurdle and four hundred guy. Oh, okay. Well, what were your PRs in those? Uh, I, I got the school record in the three hundred hurdles. I think I ran like a. 30, I want to say like a 38, something like that, like a 38, and then in the 400, uh, 47.5. Okay. 47.5 is nothing to be ashamed of. I wanted to run, I wanted to run the 400. I ended up running the 8, which just hurts. The 8's just all pain. Yeah, that's, yeah that's, it's just all pain. It's just all pain. I was because I, yeah. I had been trying to run the 400, and they moved me up to the 8, and the first time I ran it, I ran it like I was running a 400. I didn't really know how to pace myself. And I almost died. Yeah, I think I ran like a 209 something, yeah, and I, I thought I was going to die. And then by the end of the year, I was yeah. down to like 159.3 or one. No, wait. No, I was somewhere somewhere around that by the end of the year. But but yeah, but but I, I just said, how do people do this? Like I thought I was literally, I literally thought I might pass out at one point. Yeah, I can't do that. Yeah, that's just, it was enough for me. No, it's just pain. No, it's just pain. It's yeah. all pain. That's a grown it's man. Just, it's a grown man's race for sure. It hurts, man. I'm not even going to lie. I mean, yeah. there's no excitement. There's no joy. You're just happy you survive when you're done running the other. Definitely. But I used to love the 4 by 4 um, just, just to comp- I mean, I like to compete. I'm a competitor. And you ask anybody that, that knows me, I like to compete and I like to win. So, I mean, the 400, yes, sir. that really shows who, who, who really a man or not. The end of the race, I mean, end of the track meet, everybody's watching. Are you going to put it on? And, you know, obviously being in Texas, you know, our goal, you know, obviously to win, you know, district conference, blah, 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 all that. And also, you know, go to Texas Relays to perform as well. So I got opportunity all four years to go to that, and I was really good. You know, certain stuff like that, just seeing, you know, obviously those people fast, fast, people run. But, I mean, if I really wanted to, I probably could have ran track in college, but football was always my first love. That that track, them people fast out there. I ain't gonna lie. So I'm just coming from Texas, like getting to see all this talent is just crazy. <laughs> okay, um, so tell me about your recruitment process. I mean, obviously you you had some options. Uh, you you chose to go out there and be out there with Coach Gundy, who is a, a legend. Uh, was a legend yeah. in high school. I mean, the Gundy brothers, yeah. both he and his brother. Back before, you know, the the game was like it is now, where everyone threw the ball. They were amongst the first few. Uh, you know, it wasn't even quite spread like nowadays, but they had some. You know, they, they would go three wide sometimes, which in those days was doing something. Right. Uh, and the Gundy brothers set a bunch of records back at Midwest City, Oklahoma. Um, right. What was it like being recruited by the schools that recruited you, and how did you make your decision? Uh, so yeah, like yeah, like you said, I, I had quite a few offers. I definitely was blessed, you know. I thank God for allowing me to have those opportunities just to, you know, be considered. I mean, you know, it was just great for me just to, just to even have one offer. I mean, I'm just, I just love football, so just to be able to play was just great for me. But I mean, deciding factor, it was just looking at programs 
conferences, and then obviously, you know, the ability. To, I wanted to play as a freshman or try to get on the field as a freshman and seeing who could I graduate early and go to and ultimately end up going to Oklahoma State just based off the people. I mean, they're really nice there. Everybody showed a lot of love. Um, being in the Big 12, you know, everybody kept saying Big 12 doesn't play defense, blah, 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 all that stuff. But they are spread offense. So I feel like as a corner, being in the Big 12, you're going to go against a lot of good receivers, and they're going to throw the ball your way. So you can never complain about not getting enough passes your way because they're going to air it out and they're going to throw it. So if you, as a corner, lock up in the Big 12, I mean, to me, you're doing something, most definitely. And so an opportunity just to play. They had, like, some seniors that year that were coming out. Those, You know, they're still family. They still talk to them. And so I was located. It's a good spot for me to come up there and really make a stay. And then obviously Coach Glass. I mean, Coach Glass is, is the best strength coach I've ever had. I mean, that man got my body right. I mean, in college, coming out of high school, I was 165. I got to Oklahoma State. I became 195 within a year. Okay. Like, yeah. So, like, yeah, I, you, know, you know, for 20 pounds of muscle, just being there with Coach Glass in his program. So that was, you know, the reasons why I decided to go up there. That, that, that 30 pounds, of course, you got a long frame, but to be able to maintain your speed or perhaps even get faster while putting on 30 pounds, I don't think normal people have any idea how challenging that is because right. uh, I mean, you're young and still growing, but you must have been eating some – you must have been eating also, like a, a specialized diet, I'm guessing. Yeah, I mean, I was just eating everything and anything. I mean, they are making sure I was eating at every meal, making sure I'm going back and getting more food. I mean, you know, just everything, you know, making sure that we had meal plan or, or you know, a stipend so we could get more food. You know, we go home and I'm, you know, eating PB&J sandwiches they made for me to take home before bed and drinking milk and protein cookies. And, yeah, it, 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 it was, they, they, I was definitely getting right. Okay. Uh, now, a lot of people, when they talk about the difference between playing at the FBS and FCS level, they talk about talent, they talk about lots of things, competition. They don't talk about food or strength and conditioning. Was there a difference right. in the nutrition and strength and conditioning, and did you have to do more on your own to make up, or was it close enough that you were still taken care of and, and close to the same kind of way? Uh, well, just... The biggest thing, yeah, like you said, is the food. It's not that you don't get food, but they don't, in that, you know, FCS level, they don't have, you know, specific athlete cafeterias. At least at SIU, they didn't. So, you know, Oklahoma State, we had an athlete cafeteria where they fed us breakfast and dinner every day. At SIU, we only got breakfast at the cafeteria, you know, so that's the only meal that I got from them. You know, all the other meals I had to do it myself. So now it's like, okay, I have to start cooking. I got to start budgeting my money better to get groceries and, you know, different stuff like that. And then, you know, I was at Oklahoma State, we, was, you know, we had Gatorade contracts with all this protein and blah, 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 like that. But, you know, SIU, we, you know, we can't spend all that type of money like they do. So sometimes you are going to have to make your own protein shakes and you are going to have to do certain stuff to get right. But, I mean, I'm not going to say that I didn't have the necessary tools to still be at a high level. But you do have to do a little bit more on your own. But that's just, I feel like it's more of a money standpoint. You know, obviously a Power 5 school is not going to, you know, it's going to have way more money than, you know, a smaller D1 AA school. Okay, got it. And talk to me a little about level of competition and talent. Obviously you come from a big-time high school program. You go to a big-time Big 12 program. 
You go to what is still mm-hmm. a big-time conference in the Missouri Valley Conference. Right. Tell me about some of the best right. guys you faced after you transferred. Uh, definitely, I feel like good competition in the league. I would say the, the best dudes, we would say the receiver from North Dakota State, I mean, long dude. That boy can run, good hands. It was, it was a great day going against him. I mean, I feel like we were battling all day. respect for him. Um, receiver for SEMO, even though he's not in the conference, but we play him every year. Uh, great dude as well, could run, catch. I mean, just, you know, a nice dude. But them two dudes right there probably stood out the most since I, since I you know, was at SIU. Okay. And system-wise, how similar or different? Were the defenses that you you were playing in? Well, the offenses are different, so I guess I got to start with that. You know, in the Big Twelve, it's more of a spread. I mean, they still run the ball in the Big Twelve, but you know, it's a lot more passing. And you know, when I went to SIU, Missouri Valley, you know, it's more of like you know they're doing triple option, they're running it down your throat, the Maryland eye, you know, a lot of motions, you know. But in the Big Twelve, I didn't see all that just because you know how the league is set. You know, obviously, you know. I'm seeing Pat Mahomes and, you know, great players like that, Corey Coleman, receivers that just taking the top off on things. But then, you know, Missouri Valley, was, you know, it was a lot more run, a lot of more run down your throat, a lot of power stuff, you know, a lot of 21 personnel putting those tight ends in the game and, you know, a lot of stuff like that, a lot like Popeye and outside zone and different runs like that that I was seeing more of, which, I mean, I had no problem. I like to tackle. I mean, I had – over 40 tackles as a corner, so it's not like I didn't want to tackle. But there we go. You know, I have to prepare myself. Go ahead. But yeah, so like just have to yeah, prepare I'm, myself for that. I'm That's sorry, I get excited about tackle. corners that that don't mind tackling. <laughs> I, I get excited when. Yeah. Yeah. So I love there tackle. are whole plays. I want to hit dudes. Right. I mean, there like I love to cover. Don't get me wrong. But I want to tackle. Yeah. Yeah. There's whole plays you need an offense to take out. Those wide receiver exactly. screens, those now screens, those you you blow through somebody and hit them six yards in behind the line of scrimmage, they'll stop throwing those. Exactly. I don't like to be blocked. So like if anybody watches my film, they can see that I've never let a receiver finish with his hands on me. Ever. I would not I don't like to be blocked. Ever. Like you know what I'm saying? So every play I'm ripping the receiver off, I'm getting them off like just that physicality to let people, you know, let the offensive coordinator know, like, you try to do any of that run or like that, it, it's going to be shut down from the start. But you got to be like that as a corner. I feel like you got to be more complete players. Like, you can't just cover and you can't just be a tackle. You got to be both because I feel like nowadays a lot of teams are doing a lot of outside zone runs where they're trying to make the corner tackle and, you know, create a team yep. edge where the running back is on one with the corner. And I got to come down faster, you know, put my inside shoulder on that leg and, and put him down every time my team has to rely on me to do that. Okay. And do a play out and, and then on the fifth play, throw it. Tell me about the different coverages you guys have run. Um, I know I've seen some, uh, like some, some, a little bit of like uh, zone, sort of matchup zone uh, stuff, and I've seen you guys also do some things where it looks like you're your man at times. What what kinds of coverages have you run in your collegiate career, and and what are your responsibilities in those different coverages? Uh, well, I guess first, man, Oklahoma State was man. SIU, my first year, we played a lot of man. So, obviously, you know, just manned up on the edge. So, we could stack the box. So, being that, you know, a lot of comp- you know, a lot of teams want to establish a run game. I feel like offense has to establish a run game, in my opinion, some type of run game. 
So being an opportunity to play man, you need to corner the lockup on the outside and shut down, you know, some of those third and ten routes or shut down some of those fade balls or digs or, you know, just even slants. And then playing cover two, obviously I love cover two because that gives me an opportunity to trick the receiver so maybe I can play off and he thinks that I'm going to be back playing, I can steal me one or get a big play or big hit. And, you know, it's covering my zone. Obviously cover three where, you know, I'm switching up a little bit, maybe doing a press bail technique or coming out of my step pedal, reach that pedal, and then opening up and bailing. And it gives me opportunity to have a lot of vision on the field with the quarterback and the receiver. And then we also, SIU, we played a little bit of two-man, which I kind of like two-man. You know, the receiver thinks that I'm beat, but really I have a safety over top. He turns around. He probably, you know, tries to run a comeback or something like that, and bam, I run underneath him, get me a pick or make me a play. Those are the main coverages that we ran. Obviously, cover four, which a lot of teams run cover four, you know, quarters. And, you know, that's, to me that's pretty standard. You know, three-step back pedal, three-step read, you know, the number two, you know, it doesn't break between five yards. You know, you're back on number one. And that's just more of like a quarter system, which a lot of teams base their defenses off of. Sure. And who are your favorite guys to watch when you watch football? Who are your, and they don't have to be defensive backs. I mean, they could be just whoever your favorite guys are and tell me why you love watching those guys. Man, Richard Sherman, that's my favorite corner. I mean, like, I just feel like me and Richard just resonate. Both two tall dudes, long and, and you know, aggressive, you know. So we want that's, that's my favorite corner. Love watching him. Love picking up his game and just he's – I love how he prepares and his, his intelligence for the game. Every game, he knows what the offense is doing, and I just love that. So I tried to make sure I prepared, you know, just you know, just like how he prepared, just be a student of the game. I really love that. Watching dogs like, you know, Jalen Ramsey, Derwin James, and even on the offensive end, I mean, looking at Tyreek Hill, the opportunity to see him play when he scored that winning touchdown against OU. Like, I still remember that when I was getting recruited. And just, just, just crazy. Just watch him do the things he does in the NFL. Like he really is that fast. Like, if you've never seen Tyreek Hill in practice, he really is that fast. Like, it, it, well, it's I mean, Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill ran some some times that would have qualified him to go to the Olympic trial. So that answers all the questions I had about speed. Yeah, and it's just to see people like that is just it's just crazy. And then. I mean, I just love different players from different teams, really just, you know. I guess to me, obviously, I like watching Julio for the receiver-wise because Julio can run every route in the route tree at his side and at his yeah. knees. And to me, yes. to me, that that is the complete receiver. So, and, he wants, and he'll block you. So I look at he's him. I look at one of, he's a, he's a terrific blocker, actually. Yes. yes. Yeah, so I look at everything about his game. I mean, how he releases, how he adjusts to the ball, because that's going to make me a better DB. Because I'm like – because to me, like, I'm not just preparing for receivers in my, you know, league. I'm not preparing for receivers in my conference. I'm not even preparing for receivers at any camp or any all-star game I'm going to. I'm preparing for the whole entire country. So, to me, I have to be ready for any type of receiver that I see, whether it's a big dude, short dude, slot, fast, skinny, big, medium, whatever. So, I feel like Julio – is a great person for me to watch because he runs every route in the route tree. So you're going to get everything from yep. him. So you have to be on point. You have to be physical, and you've got to get hands-on. And I mean, he's a dude that can run past you. He's a dude that can, you know, out-route you. And I just I just love I, – I love watching Julio. That's, that's a dog right there. That's a good player. Well, 
every question I ever had about him was answered when he went to the combine with a Liz Plank fracture and ran a 4-3-8 with a broken foot. I was like, okay, yeah, I'll take that guy. (laughs) If you can run a 4-3-8 with a broken foot, (laughs) (laughs) you're probably going to work out. You're probably going to be okay. Right. He'll be all right. Yeah, that's a dog right there. But there's I mean, a lot of great receivers, a lot of great people I, you know, I look at. You know, I look at the Odells, you know, A.B., and then, you know, different plays like that. So, yeah, I, I try to look at everybody. You know, there's always, you know, great play teams on people. And, I mean, I look at D-Lyman, too, believe it or not. I love my D-Lyman because they make my job easy. So, you know, looking at, you know, D-tackles and defensive ends and looking at, you know, the Khalil Max and, you know, people like that, I like looking at them, too, because them, them, without them, my position would just be darn near impossible. So I always, you know, show love to the D linemen. They got sure. a hard job. A lot of people don't. Sure. A lot of people don't see that from D tackles, of how them getting pressure in a quarterback's face allows me time to get to the ball or make a pick or make a play, or a D lineman stuffing up that hole all day long and getting to the quarterback's feet. I mean, that just makes my job that much better. Sure. Yeah, I mean it's. As the old saying goes, it's, you know, what goes up up front allows you to do certain things in the back end. Ed Reed could only be Ed Reed because those guys in the front seven were doing what they were doing. Ed Reed did a lot of unconventional and sometimes even unsound things. <laughs> you know, he broke right. all of the rules of the defense, but you can only get away with that because he knew his guys up front were doing, you know, taking care of business. If you're on a bad team, you can't be Ed Reed. No, you can't. You gotta just do your assignment. You can't be deciding you're gonna leave your man, run all the way across the field to intercept the ball for Kate Maddox. You can't do that if you're if you're if your team is bad because somebody just gassed you. <laughs> Why you're trying right. to run across the field. Most definitely. You know, pressure pressure makes everything happen, right? If you if running backs can gain easy yardage they won't need to throw the ball, right? So you, that's exactly. the first thing, right? Coaches, right. even the most, even Mike Leach, if he's getting six yards a pop running the ball, will not stop running the ball until you stop that. Until you stop it, most definitely. Right? So that's the first challenge, right? And then once you get that done, now you've got to make sure the quarterback, even the worst quarterback in the world with a nice, quiet, clean pocket can beat you. Right, make it make a good quality throw. Right, I mean you don't get to play quarterback at the college or pro level if you don't have some level of ability. So unless there's something going on to make their life a little bit difficult, because the rules and don't get me started on the rules, but the rules make it easier for offense. It's for offense. Than ever it's, it's for offense. Yes, yeah, for offense. We know. Yes, yeah, for offense. <laughs> Man. I, I've been watching this game a long time, and I've watched a lot of rule changes, and every time I go down on the rule change, because I can remember before what they call the Mel Blunt rule, right? So it used to yeah. be that you were allowed to make contact with a receiver all the way down the field until the ball was in the air. Didn't that – didn't you know, about five yards, ten yards, 20 yards, whatever number of yards, as long as the ball was in the air, you, you were allowed to keep chucking, uh, making contact with whatever trigger you use with the receiver all the way down the field. They got rid of that. And now they've gotten rid of like, – nowadays they want to – they don't like to touch the receiver, but you better not touch them, touch them forcibly. Like you can't make – got to 
you gotta touch him like you touch a little baby. Right. Yeah. I mean, and to me, it's getting to the point where I'm, where I'm training. Yeah, it's getting to the point where I'm training. Like, I, I, I mean, you, you gotta stun him at the line. I mean, that's that's what I train. That's how all my trainers talk about. You gotta get him at the line. And when you're yeah. running downfield, you don't you don't need you don't need to be beating up the receiver downfield. I feel like a lot of young DBs, even when I was young, yeah. thought that we have They'll to throw those flags the every time. Downfield. Yeah, mm. and that's not the case. I mean, you got you got because if I'm you sure play, it just gets worse. Right, it just gets worse. So so every level of football, the flag comes out a little easier in high school. You know, as long as you don't impede the receiver too much, they'll generally let you have a little play down the field. In college, it depends, but the flag comes out if the ball's close usually. If it's if the ball's right. not close, if it's way short, way long, out of bounds, and you were kind of riding the receiver, they'll probably keep the flag in their pocket. But if the ball's close, and it looks like the receiver might have gotten to it, and you were kind of, you know, make, then the flag comes out. In the NFL, they don't care. If they see you making contact with the receiver down the field, they don't care where the ball is. But flag's coming out. Right. Right. And you might not get PI, but you're definitely getting illegal illegal contact. Um, right. But yeah, so they. Yeah, it's, like I said, I'm sure. Yeah, you and that's part of the game. You know, they're trying to protect people, and I, and I understand. You know, trying to trying to keep it fair. So to me, how I train and how you know me and my friends train, we just we just got to prepare for it. To me, just got to prepare for yep. it. Can't. Can't really do nothing about it. We just prepare for it. So we teach we teaching techniques and doing certain things where we don't have to beat the receiver up downfield. We don't have to be, you know, drenched over him. You can cover receiver down the field and you don't have to be hands all up in his face. Especially if you want to get the ball. We know the pick name of the game is to get turnovers. And if you want to get paid, and, you gotta get picked. And that's the great that is the greatest thing you have. And I see we're being joined with another one of our of our guests. Uh who just hopped on with us? Is that you, Chauncey? Yes, sir. Pleasure. Pleasure to have you with us. Um, so, Matre Chauncey, Chauncey Matre. Oh, good, good. Nice to meet you, man. So, uh, gentlemen, we are, we're going to talk a little about the, the mental side of the game. Uh, we talk a lot about the physical side of the game. The mental side of the game is really the biggest difference between each level. I mean, there's guys who get bigger, stronger, faster, obviously. That always happens. But most of the guys who don't make it, it's, it's mental. The guys, if you're in an NFL camp, if you got drafted or even brought in as an undrafted free agent, you have the physical ability. I'll say wouldn't have brought you in. They're not bringing guys in who don't have the physical ability. But they don't always know if you can handle the mental side of playing the game at the highest level. And that's why you're in camp. That's why they draft you. That's why they whatever, whatever chance they took on you, uh, even if it's just for a tryout, they already know you have the physical ability. You've talked a lot about the mental side of your training. Let's talk about film study. Um, I'll, I'll start with you, Madre. When did you start really digging into film? I think you said your dad started when you were still in elementary school. Um, and what has film allowed you to do? Uh, so basically, like, yeah, my dad's been, I've been watching football so long. But I guess really getting into, like, film, film, obviously in high school where you get to record your games and going through that. Mm-hmm. My coach, my high school coach, Coach Skinner, he's still there, really put me on game about watching film and being that much prepared. But just watching film allows you to be one step ahead. And on defense, you need that type of edge just based on how the game is played now. And knowing the tendencies of receiver, knowing formations, knowing who's in the game, 
and knowing what the offense likes to do on first down, second down, third and five, third and medium, fourth and two, like I know all those things. And be able to know what the defense is doing. I know I know which way my defensive line is slanting for the ball. I know which way my linebacker's gaps are fitting. I know where their safety is rolling out to and who everybody has. That allows me to play the best of my ability on my man and do my position. Okay. Excellent. And can you tell me about a, a play? Particularly uh, a big play, perhaps, you've made in your career because of something you spun on tape. Maybe a tendency, something about a particular formation, maybe something about a particular play that you had a feeling about, you know, what you were about to do next because of your film stuff. Uh, okay, so we were playing. Okay, so we were playing this one team. They line up, so every time that they motion their number one receiver down, the second guy, the dude would always run a slant underneath. The number two in the, the uh, receiver in the back would run a slant, other dude would run off. So I knew when the dude came down, he was going to run this slant. So I told my, my safety, hey, I got to do it in the back, I got to do it in the back. Soon, soon as the ball hiked, I'm talking about I took off to the slant. The quarterback down there threw it right to me. Me and the receiver just collided for the ball. I mean, just plays like that. That instant that I didn't have to think, I didn't have to hesitate, I knew it was going to happen just, just right there instantly. And then, I mean, just a lot of big hits. I mean, like a lot of plays out there, a lot of scrimmage, just no information like that. Even like coming up and getting sacks, like on a, on a uh, play on the nub side of the uh, defense, you know, with the unbalanced formation. And I know that every time they had two backs in the backfield, they'll run the counterplay back to my side and be able to come back there and just make a big hit in the backfield and, you know, just get a loss from my team, stuff like that. Okay. And I have a, a quick question also to ask Chauncey. So, once again, like Madre, you had a, a sort of diverse athletic youth background-wise, but when did you – when was it that you – decided in your brain, I'm a football player. You know, I'm not a basketball player. I'm not this, I'm not that. I run track maybe, but I'm not a track athlete. When did it hit you that I'm a football player, and how did that happen? Um, definitely, I would say junior year. Uh, high school, that's when I had my breakout breakout year. So like you said, I was doing all, all of the other sports. But I think junior year is when I had a breakout year, and I realized that, hey, this is, this is what's going to take me, you know, as far as I, I allow it to. So, I mean, junior year, then – you know, especially getting the offer going to college that, you know, solidified the fact that I was a football player. Okay. Okay, got it. Um, and you grew up in a part of the country, once again, sort of, you guys have some things in common, uh, where there's a, a pretty good number of, of other athletes. Who are some of the guys you maybe grew up around uh, or with, people you knew when you were younger that also were involved? It doesn't have to be football necessarily, but we're also – tremendous athletes and people that you, you grew up around? Um, so there was a safety uh, that played in our school. He played everything, you know, uh, in school. Uh, he ended up going to South Carolina State to play safety there. Kendrick Gathers, he was a tremendous athlete. Uh, I looked up to him a lot. Um, there was a basketball player named Marcus Stroman. He ended up going to USC and then transferred somewhere else. But he was just someone I looked up to as, as, as a good leader and things like that. I mean, and both as well were very, very good athletes on and off the field and court. Okay, got it. I'm going to hop back over to Madre. And Madre, I have about two more questions for you, and then I'll give you back the rest of your day. Uh, so now you are, as you said, in this uh, transition phase between being 
an amateur athlete where you play for the love of the game, you play uh, to justify receiving an athletic scholarship, you know, all the things people talk about, uh, you know, the glory of old alma mater and all that good stuff. And now, as you've already known, you have friends who've played in the league, it's about to become very much a business. The game itself is very much like the game been playing since you were five years old, but people's motivations change, uh, people approaches change, and sometimes even the access to the opportunity to play changes because just the numbers, right? I mean, there's 1,560 roster spots. I'm not counting practice squad, but that's 53 times 32. That's not a lot. And they don't empty the league out each year, right? It's not like they're going to tell, right. you know, J.J. Watt and these other guys there's no more room for them because they have to make room for all these new kids. There's no. Only, there's only a certain amount of turnover. Uh, tell me about your preparation, you know, physical, mental, uh, technique, whatever it is you're doing, and what things you already know about, you know, things you're going to have to do differently to play at the next level. Um, well, mental-wise, I mean, I feel good. I mean, I always knew I could play in the league, and I know I have the ability to do that. And, I mean, God just blessed me to make it this far and be in this position to train for the league and have an opportunity to get there. I know that he knows the desires of my heart, and he's going to allow me to do that. And then preparation-wise, obviously, just to me, biggest thing, being in shape. I got to be able to go to camp and be in shape. When I go to workouts for teams, be in shape. Like, I cannot get tired. I got to have a battery pack on my back and mm. be energized and be mm. so I have to outwork everybody especially coming out of you know I did go to a big school but coming out of a smaller school you know there may be some doubts or there may be this and that but I know I have to outwork everybody so I you know being in shape is the first thing to me uh just being mentally prepared you know there is different rules there is you know different styles in the league that I will have to get adjusted to quickly and will have to learn a lot within a week's time you know they throw the, they throw the playbook at them based you know my friends in the league they throw the playbook at them and you got to know what you're doing because that could be the difference between me getting cut or me staying on another week, not knowing my plays and not knowing my assignments. And different things probably to work on the league, uh, ball skills, ball skills, ball skills. I mean, you got to be able to track the ball and take the ball out the air. Me being 6'2", 6'3", I mean, they're going to want to see that. You know, me jumping up and taking the ball out the air and getting turnovers and just having my technique. You, could, you know, as a DB, you always got to work your technique. So I feel like that's constantly getting worked on. Because in the league, you get exposed. If your technique's off, that's a touchdown, that's a catch, and that's a big play. And, you know, they're always looking to make big plays. So I feel like those are the, the biggest things of coming into it. Because I'm going to be on time. I'm going to do everything right. I'm going to go to, you know, and I play special teams too as well. So that my first thing, in game, I want to special teams coordinator. I want to meet the special teams coordinator. I, I love special teams. I, I play it all. I want to block kicks. I want to run down and kick off. I want to give everything I got. So the first day at camp, I want to meet the special teams coordinator. I want to be his best friend. Young man, I know you've been told this before. There you go. <laughs> that's how you yeah. – if people say, how do you get your no-cut insurance, that's how. Put yourself on yeah. all the special teams units because when cuts come around, yeah. cuts are brutal. They're not, they're not cutting guys who can't play. They're cutting guys who can't, no. right? Yeah. right. <laughs> there's, there's guys who get cut every year who somehow find their way to another situation and become great players. Guys who can really yeah. play get cut. Every year. So right. getting cut doesn't mean you can't play. It means the numbers were against you. But the way to turn the numbers right. into your friend is to be, oh, you're on all the special teams units? Well, I'll take two guys to replace you. We can't cut you. 
right? So he's on punt right. coverage. He's on punt return. He's on kickoff coverage. He's on kickoff return. He's on PAT block. He's on punt protection. He's on, like, like the math, right? Sometimes it's just math. I hate right. to put it that way. But there are guys who hung around this league because the math works in their favor. Oh, man, this guy's on too many special teams. You can't cut him. We'd have to break two right, exactly. <laughs> and I love, and I love that. Is team. I know that. I know that's how I'm gonna make a team. Like honestly, I know they're gonna drive first and second round corners. So corner, and I'm okay. Like corner may not be my first thing going to the league. I know I'm at, like you said, I have to stick on the team by special teams, and you know I'm fine with that. I know I'm gonna get my opportunities, and I just want to help the team out. And I love the game of football. So whatever I can do to stay there and stay on the team and give the best I can to that organization, I'm gonna do it. I mean, I hold, I hold kicks if that if that's what they need. Okay. There's a list of dudes I could give you that got their chance, including Terrell Davis, right? Hall of Fame running back. But the reason he made the right. team was special teams. Antonio Brown, for right. almost three whole years, was mostly a special teams player. The guy, they drafted exactly another right. wide receiver to be, the, to be the next wide receiver when, when Heinz uh, Ward walked away. They drafted a guy named Mike Wallace in the second from Ole Miss. That was supposed to be the dude. Antonio right. Brown was special teams. They drafted him in the sixth round. But he right. Biden is telling balling out. Eventually, somebody said, well, let's see what he looks like. We let him run with the ones. And, you know, the rest was his. Right. Um, exactly. Jared Allen, right? He's going to make the Hall of Fame someday as a defensive end. But the reason he didn't get right. cut in Kansas City was because he was a long snapper. And they lost their primary long snapper. He got a groin injury. They're like, well, who else was going to watch that? Jared Allen raised his head. Okay, we can't cut him. <laughs> exactly. He's the only guy who's going to watch that. <laughs> and then they figured out later, oh, he's a Hall of Fame, you know. But he was a, you know, a drafted free agent from Idaho State. You know, nobody thought right. he was going to be a Hall of Famer. You know, so, yes, I, I tell every young athlete, and not just embrace special teams, which you should definitely do, but figure out more things to do on special teams. What do you know how to do? What else? Have you ever returned punts or kicks? Learn how to do it. Have you covered punts or kicks? Learn how to do it. Have you ever been a personal right. punt protector? Figure out how to do it. <laughs> have, you blocked, have you been on PAT block or punt block? Figure it out. If right. every time the special teams coach asks if you know how to do something and you keep saying yes, <laughs> that little thing goes on his head like, oh, oh. Oh, oh. Well, he's on like four core units and part of two other units. I can't, I can't exactly. lose this guy. I can't lose. Exactly. I can't, I can't lose. So that's your best friend. If you are a wide receiver, defensive back, a running back, a tight end, I mean, unless you are a first-round draft pick or something, but if you're anywhere from about pick 80 onward, if you play any of those I can run positions, you better be a great special teamer because that's how you survive. When this other kid who might be an absolute dog, but he only, he only plays offense and only plays defense, that kid's getting cut. Right. And he might be a terrific player, but it's the numbers, right? Are they, what are they going to cut? Right. J.J. Watt? Are they going to cut? Right? Are they going to cut Julio Jones? I mean, there's not so many pop on the If you think they're going to cut Julio Jones and keep you, you may want to rethink. <laughs> Yeah. Right? Um, yes, so I'm going to jump back over to Chauncey. Uh, so, Chauncey, what positions did you play growing up, and how did you finally settle into your, your final home as a player? 
So in high school, I played uh, receiver, tight end, um, and then defensive line. And then I got to college my freshman year. I played outside linebacker. And then we had some injuries on the team um, at D-line. And since I played in high school, I had no problem moving down. So, I mean, sophomore year uh, in college is when I uh, stuck with defensive line <clears throat> to the remainder of my college career. Okay. And what was that like, that transition? Because, as you mentioned, you played, you know, once again, similar to, to, to Monty, you'd been an offensive player much of your early career and then made the switch. Uh, what was that like? What things did you like and which things did you miss about making that change? Uh, so one thing I, I think I miss about offense is just, you know, offensive players usually get just a little bit more glory, you know, just for catching touchdowns, things like that. But, I mean, it's not something I miss dearly. Uh, but defensive players, this is a lot of fun. You know, I, I definitely love defense uh, more than offense. And then moving from outside linebacker to defensive lineman wasn't a huge change because, you know, I'm, all, I'm still on a line of scrimmage and things like that. But, you know, it, had, it was something I had to get adjusted to. Uh, one thing I did have to do was gain weight. You know, just because I'm, I'm I'm in the trenches every play, you know, touching someone every play. So that was the biggest adjustment yeah. I had to make. But other than that, it wasn't it wasn't too much of a difference. I like to repeat touching. <laughs> that's a very delicate way of putting it. I'm touching someone. They're touching you. Yes, that's what it is. It's touching. It's not a little car crash on every play. It's just touching. Yeah. Okay. So what are you weighing now, Chauncey? Right now, we're around 253. Which means, obviously, for the next level, either you're going to have to get smaller or maybe stay the same size and become a three-four outside linebacker or get bigger, still bigger. Um, yeah. Do you have an idea of what you're going to try to do physically, or does that depend on what the team tells you? Uh, right now, it depends on what the team tells me about. I feel comfortable in my body to lose weight, gain weight, or stay the same and be able to do the, uh, same, be able to do the same things I've, I've been doing, if not more. Okay, got it, got it. Uh, I'm going to finish up with my last question to Madre. So I'm going to take you forward in time, Madre. Right? Uh, The special effects are very expensive, but sadly you can't see them. But you're now forward (laughs) in the future, right? I've taken you through that first contract. Now you're getting to that second contract. And... Right? You got bounced around. They experimented with playing you in different positions. They said, hey, can you play safety? You were like, whatever. I'm a team player. I'll play a little safety. They had you play some, you know, a couple of different places, a little bit of, hey, dime, dime linebackers. Who did you play? And they said, oh, well, he's a big guy. But finally, they, they send, you, send you back to boundary corner where God wants you, and you start balling out. And you get that second contract where your life changes. Oh, so, you know, the first contract, you know, I mean, you can, you can live this, but, you know, I've, I've, I'll just give you the advice a player I talked to many years ago. He said, "You still have to have, you still have to have your college mindset a little bit with that first contract, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, take care of everything, do the things you have to do. Hey, if you want to get one or two people something special, do it. But don't try to live, a, don't try to live like Puff Daddy, right? Then you get your second right. contract. Now you can maybe you know splurge a little bit. That's he said the best advice he ever got was a veteran told him, you know, yeah, you can get your mom a car, but does it have to be, you know, it doesn't have to be a Maserati. It doesn't have to be new. Right. Your mom's been driving an old car forever. Now it's a newer old car. She's been all right. <laughs> right. Dang, that's true. That's true, yeah. <laughs> you know, to get her up carefully 
you know, carefully care for, you know, two- or three-year-old used car. I mean, that's fine, right? Let some other sucker take the, dip, right. uh, the depreciation. You know, you can buy your mom a house, but it doesn't be a mansion. You know, you can get your mom a nice house if you want to, but you don't have to. Once again, that's going to be something that looks like, you know, mystical lived there in 1994. Um, right. But, yeah, so but in your second contract, obviously things change. So they bring you back to talk to the young pups, right? Uh, I mean, who knows? Maybe two schools will bring you back. But we definitely know Southern is going to bring you back. Uh, I've been on that campus. I have friends in, in, in and around that area. I, I live in Chicago, but I have friends downstate, and I've been on that campus. It is a, a tight-knit little community, as I'm sure you've already, even though you didn't spend your whole career there, I'm sure you noticed. Uh, they definitely right. love to love up on their, their Salukis who've gone on to success. Plus, they're hoping you write them a big old check. Don't, don't tell them I told you that, right. they do. But you get back there, and you know what the Phillies could use. Maybe, maybe you decide to upgrade the players' lounge and that, you know, slap your name on it, right? The Madre Memorial right. players. <laughs> you know, exactly. Guys, maybe a little more comfort, you know, a little more ease, maybe a few more cold tubs right. for recovery, a few more hot tubs for fun. And, uh, and they'll have you come speak to the guys. If you wanted to let younger cats, guys 17, 18, 19, know what it takes, what it took, things they should do, things they shouldn't. If you were thinking about maybe a top five to ten things you want to pass on to a bunch of young cats, what would you want to tell them? Uh, first, I'd tell them that everything is not going to be what you thought it was going to be. And that could mean anything. Like a lot of dudes come out of high school thinking that, they're going to just start right away or everything's going to be perfect for them right away or they're going to ball the same or they're going to be in this opportunity. I'm going to tell them that it's a marathon. It's, you know, it's not a sprint. Like, you're going to go through up and down in college. You're going to go through injuries. You're going to go through bad times. I mean, you're going to go through just a lot of things. And I don't want the, I don't want your love of the game to get taken away or your mental health mm. because of certain things that's happening. Because I feel like a lot of kids lose the love of the game they don't like what's going on either with coaching or playing or anything like that, and they just lose the passion overall of love of the game. And those are the players you see either fizzle out or really didn't give it their all. And I don't want them to get to their senior year and be like, dang, I could have done more. A lot of kids wait to senior year to try to turn it up or turn it on, and that isn't the time. So I just tell the young kids, just be patient. Like, I still talk to the young dudes on the team right now. Like, they still call me. I talk to them every day and tell them to, you know, just prepare – and, you know, get their mind right for what's going to come because it's going to be a great four years. I mean, college is great. I loved it. But it is a lot of up and downs, and there's a lot of things that could steer you off the path. And I just want them to stay focused and keep putting that work in and then tell them just to do the little things right, being to meetings five minutes early, being to class five minutes early, sitting in the first three rows, never having a problem with a teacher, never having a coach to ever talk to you about your grades. You know what I'm saying? Never having a coach ever question your effort on the field. You know, watching film after practice, being just doing the little things right. How about, you know, when you take off your uh, your tape on your ankles, throwing it in the trash, not leaving it on the floor. And I know that's like that sounds like middle school things, but those things make a great player a great player. And those things that even though everybody might not see or might not appreciate, those are just great things that I say that I'll tell a young dude to be focused on. And then don't worry about the money, the fame, the star. Don't worry about all that's going to come. If, you, if you're really a player and you're really a dog, you're going to make plays and good things are going to happen for you. Excellent. 
Well, first of all, one of those points you made was also made by Ed Reed. Uh, Ed Reed ended his career, of course, with the Texans, and he wasn't the same, like nobody is. He wasn't the same player he'd been when he was younger, but the thing he brought to the young Texans was that mindset that everything matters. How you do this he matters. Does. Do you put your tray back? Do you, I mean, he was one of those guys but yelling at the young guys about, hey, yeah, I know, you could just pile everything, you know, buy your locker and make somebody else come clean up after you, but that's somebody's mom, that's somebody's dad, you know, and you're making their job harder. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah, you get it, get after him, you know? Like, if that was it's your true. mom, how would you feel about yeah. somebody making no, your mom's like, job harder? After every game at SIU, every visitor team's locker room that we went to, we left it spotless. We cleaned up everything. Lose or win, it did not matter. You know, my first season at SIU, we went 2-9, and nine, okay? We lost a lot of games that year. Obviously, we were mad. We were upset. We feel like we could have played better. But we never left the locker room trash. We picked up every single piece of trash. We put every chair back. We made sure that it was left spotless. And that was just one of the things that they instilled in us, like, and I really appreciate that because – Regardless if you lose, win, or whatever, like, you know, we have a certain standard to uphold. And like you said, like, just making sure everything was clean. We sweeped up everything, like, and that's just some of the things that we did. Okay, perfect. Um, so you said you're, you're in the process of preparation. Where are you doing your workout for the your pro day or combine? Uh, APEC. You end up? APEC, it's in Fort Worth. It's uh, where Pat Mahomes trains at. <laughs> so have you seen him? Uh, I have not seen him yet, but you know, you know, he living, okay. you know, the life of last. Well, he's busy right now. I mean, yeah, he's busy right now. Yeah, he's busy right now. 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 He's busy that will get you used to, the, to how to, to a ball gets on you quick is messing around with that ball. So that ball gets on you immediately. Crazy fast. And I played against him in college. Just to see him play in college. Oh, right. Tech. Yeah. I've seen a lot of good people. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. I mean, Baker Mayfield, yeah. Kyler Murray, like all of them. <laughs> so you've seen about so 10% of the NFL starting quarterbacks already. Yeah. And Mason's a backup, but, yeah, you see a decent number of uh, those guys. All right. Okay. Um, my yeah. final, 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 absolute real final question. Do you guys know when your pro day is yet? Uh, I don't know yet. Well, I know I'm going to be doing the pro day at Northwestern as well, so that's the 10th. I know the date of that. But SIU's pro day, uh, they haven't told me the date on that yet because they're trying to coordinate it where they can get, you know, they don't want to be on anybody else's pro day to make sure they can get all the skills. Because right. we do got some big names. Right. You know, being with me, Chin, Nigel, DJ, yeah. you know, our, you know, this, this is the great yeah. year for SIU, you know. It is. And that Chin kid is going to be even better at the next level. That, that kid's got yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah, we'll talk more about him at some point. He's a freak. <laughs> he's a little something yeah. different. <laughs> right. Oh man, they had, they had a nice little, nice little. This is a nice little group. I mean, it once again tells you how good a conference you guys are in. That there's so many other good teams. Like you guys, in there's other SCS conferences where you guys would have probably been the best team in the conference, but you're in the right. Missouri Valley, which is great. Right. 
Okay. Well, once again, I'm going to let you have your life back. Um, you've given me a lot of time. Before you go, um, I guess this is an unofficial question uh, for the ladies out there. What is your current status uh, relationship-wise? Are you married, yeah, single, I'm engaged? Single. Very yeah, single. single. Okay. Ladies? Yeah, I'm single. Six foot three, about to be <laughs> in the NFL. You might want to make your move right. before the line gets longer. Facts, facts, facts. Do <laughs> um, you yeah, have Instagram, uh, Twitter, uh, whatever? Yeah, I got it. Yeah, I got uh, all that. Of course, of course. Yeah, my Instagram. Well, that's uh, people know. Let them know. How do they get at you? How do you yeah, Instagram. Instagram, GG Shaka on top. My Twitter, R Shaka on top. And you know, hey, you know that's where I that's where I reside on. Okay, excellent. Well, it has been an honor, a privilege, and a pleasure, Madre. Um, please, thank you. Let me know when you know about what you know when your workouts are, and send me an update for your uh, the photo you know you're doing. You doing the one up here at Northwestern? Is it Northwestern? You mean Northwestern University here? Um, you know, Evanston? Yeah, up there. Northwestern University, okay. yes, sir. Let me know when you're going to be, because, hey, I'll, maybe I'll take you out to lunch or something. I live, you know, not that far away. Yeah, um, um, we'll talk. Yeah. Okay. Yes, sir. So, so, so definitely hit yes, me yes. up when you're going to be up in the Chicago area. Yes, sir. Thank you. Oh, thank you. A real pleasure. By the way, your cake is fascinating. And teams like Seattle and teams that love, as you say, length and strength at the corner position, they're going to love you. <laughs> I love you, Jake. Thank you. Thank you. That's the plan. That's the plan. Yes, sir. Well, it's been a real Thank pleasure. You so much for having uh, me. Thank you so much sir, for having my me. pleasure. Anytime. Chauncey, thank you so much for your patience. Um, now I'll switch my full attention to you. So, Chauncey, you mentioned, obviously, that you've played a few different positions. You're now playing against monsters, right? I don't think people understand what you face every time the ball is snapped. And I was only half joking when I said it's a low-speed car accident. Uh, explain what your responsibilities are in your defense. What do they ask you to do in the defense that you play? Uh, in college? What do they ask me to do in college? Yes. Yes, yes so far. Yes, sir. So we ran a 3-4 defense at, at my university. Um, uh, and I was a, I, often the times I played there, before, I mean, so we were head up every time uh, in the four technique. Uh, usually, I'd go both, both sides. We have an Oki technique and a reduction. Uh, so we have one guy always reducing, playing with the guards, and one guy usually going, setting the edge and things like that. So I've done both uh, the past two years. Uh, the past year, I, I went reduction a lot. So I'm actually in between playing with the guard and the tackles and going down there with the center every now and then. So the past year, that's what I've been doing heavily a lot. Um, they've, also, they've also allowed me to expand a little bit and stand up on the outside, you know, in the down packages or third down packages and be able to rush the passer from, from a five technique or a seven technique. Okay. Interesting. Once again, some of the things you do are things that I've seen J.J. Watt or Mike Daniels or um, Calais Campbell. I've seen guys, those, those are guys much bigger than you are, but I've seen them do some of the things you, you're doing, and you're doing all that at 253 pounds. Yes, sir. Okay. So tell me a little bit about your high school, um, your, your coaching staff, uh, what things did you learn while you were in high school, and how did they help to shape you as a player going back to your high school career? Yes, sir. So my high school is pretty small. It's in Columbia, South Carolina. Uh, we're known for a basketball school. So we, 
football, we weren't uh, that good until my junior year. We actually made it past, we made it to the state championship uh, for the first time in school history. My junior year, we did that. Um, and that, that's that's something that helped the school out a lot after that. Um, the coaches I've endured, so I mean, my basketball coach, Zach Norris, you know, he's one of the greatest basketball coaches in South Carolina. He definitely taught me uh, how to push through certain things and fight through things um, and not to be, for the lack of a better word, soft, you know, being able to fight through mental toughness and things like that. And then going back to the football field, man, I, most just about every coach I, I ran into taught me something uh, from Quinn, Quinn McCollum taught me how to learn people, how to be a good leader. You don't always be a leader by treating people the way you want to be treated. You be a leader by treating people the way they want to be treated. So actually learning how they react to certain things so you're able to talk to them and help them grow into a better athlete. Uh, from Coach Richards, from just being tough with me, Coach um, – just talk to her. Coach Cornell, just, you know, being being tough with me, you know, helping me build thicker skin, things like that. Uh, I mean, lots of coaches. Coach Parker, he was our track coach. You know, he also helped with uh, football and, you know, helped me with my speed a lot. I mean, just mo- most of the coaches I-, I-, I touched with in high school definitely helped me become a better man as well as being a better athlete. Okay. And once again, as I mentioned earlier, you and Madre have that in common. You both uh, played multiple sports, which, you know, I won't bore you with all the numbers and all the studies, but I think they found 60% of the guys who played for the Eagles and almost 50%, almost half of the guys who played for the um, Patriots when they met in the Super Bowl had been multi-sport athletes in high school. And uh, and some of them, a few, had even played multiple sports in college. Well, obviously, that's much harder to do because of the time demand of trying to play just one sport. In college, is like, it's so difficult. Yeah. But a few guys have managed to maybe also do track and football or wrestling and football or obviously baseball and football being one of the more common combinations, guys like Kyler Murray. And I think Mahomes might have done it one year too. Uh, yeah, but, yeah, I think he played at least one year of college ball before he decided to, to uh, college baseball before he decided just to focus on football. Uh, and if, here's the, the one thing that many people don't know. There was, there was a very – Tom Brady obviously is going to go down as the greatest quarterback of all time, but at one point he considered going taking a baseball. Uh, I think a couple of Pac-12 schools had actually offered him for baseball. He was a pretty good catcher, and uh, Matt Stafford also was a very good baseball player. A, a high school teammate in both football and basketball, Clayton Kershaw. I think Kershaw was his center uh, when they played high school football together. Got, so yeah, Clayton Kershaw snapped it. That's a lot of money. Right there, yeah. <laughs> right. Clayton Kershaw snapping the ball to Matt Stafford. That's that's like four hundred and some odd million dollars all put together when you think about what those two have made in their career. Um, but yeah, uh, what things did you learn? Did you take from? Well, you mentioned some of those things. So, how did it help you um, being a multi-sport athlete? How, how do you, how does that make you a better football player? Uh, definitely versatility. So being able to uh, like basketball, prime example for. Um, pass rush moves, you have the Euro step, you, even with the spin move, you can taste it, you can use it as like a post move, you use your elbows, you know, keeping them high, and being able to box out, so, and then track alone, just being able to jump, uh, it, and I think it's a good thing to play multiple sports as long as you can, because when you're playing one sport, it focuses on certain body parts, 
And if you play that sport so long, those body parts, you know, wear down. Versus you playing multiple yes, sports, it focuses, it focuses on all of the body because different sports, you know, need different body parts to do different things. So when you're playing multiple sports, it's working all of them all year round. So it's not like you're just killing these certain things. So I feel like it, it keeps your body with a balance and it, it helps you uh, be able to move a lot easier and things like that. Yeah. Every single study ever done backs you up on that that repetitive youth injuries are much more common amongst children and adults who start specializing in one sport early in life. And they found that, yes, the more well-rounded you are, athletically, the more likely you are to be able to avoid overuse injuries. And as you just mentioned, uh, explosion, speed, coordination, uh, hand-eye, right? Why, why were so many tight ends basketball players? I mean, it's hard to find an NFL tight end who wasn't a good basketball player because of all the boxing out, as you mentioned, hand-eye coordination, uh, explosive lateral movements, you know, leaping and snatching, you know, the things out of there. I mean, that's all. That's, what, that's 50% of playing tight end you learn if you played power forward in high school or college. Yes, sir. Okay. Uh, so tell me about your recruitment process. How did you end up figuring out where you were going to continue your, your academic and athletic career after high school? And when did you first start to hear from schools and, and which schools were, you know, the most interested in you? Yes, sir. So I wasn't heavily recruited coming out of high school. I wasn't. Um, like I said, my breakout year was my junior year. So that, that had a couple of schools calling and looking at me. Um, but by the end of my senior year, I only had two two offers, one from Lincoln, Pennsylvania, to play basketball and football, and then one from okay. North Greenville, the school I'm at now. And, uh, I mean, I just chose them just because of the family atmosphere here. Um, and, you know, I decided to come here and continue my college career. But I wasn't, okay. I wasn't heavily coming out of high school or anything. Okay. But you, you took a visit to Lincoln and before you made your decision? Yes, sir. I did. I did take a uh, visit up to Pennsylvania. Okay. Yeah, my mom actually uh, finished her her collegiate career at Lincoln, so I'm very familiar with it. Uh, yeah. She, you know, was obviously a long time ago, but uh, she 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 uh, was part of their what did they call it model United Nations or whatever. I mean, she was she was big in international stuff, so she uh, she was a political science major, and she actually was the student guide for a very young Jesse Jackson when Jesse Jackson visited. This is back in the 1960s, obviously, but when Jesse Jackson visited their campus, she was the person that showed him around Lincoln's campus when he came there to speak about the civil rights movement and things like that. You know, so shout out to the Lincoln Lions. Okay, so you found your home at Greenville. What, what were the things about Greenville that stood out to you, and what was it like when you first showed up there? Like I said, the coaches and the atmosphere around here is very family oriented. And then uh, I was able to come come to a game, and it was pouring down raining. I can't remember, you know, it's four years ago, so I can't remember who they played. But I remember it was pouring down mm -hmm. raining, and we have a student section that we're called the Crusader Crazies, and they were there, you know, deep all the way to the fourth quarter. And I mean, that's just something that stood out that the the people around here care about this sport and they care about the athletics around here, and, and you know that 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 definitely helps. Uh, especially like if you have a season like we we've had this past season going three and seven, you need your community to still be behind you and not just give up on you. So I think that that stuck with me a lot, making my decision to come in. Okay, and tell me, you you mentioned the coaching staff. Tell me a little bit about that staff. What was it about that particular staff that occurred? 
that occurred to you as the right step excuse me, to help you develop as a player and as a person? Yes, sir. So, I mean, uh, the, the two coaches, so, I mean, we had a few coaching changes. So, I've had two position coach change. Uh, well, three if you consider the outside linebacker my freshman year, and then I had two D-line coaches. Um, but Coach Harris and Coach France were the two that remain here, you know, when they were recruiting me, and those were the two that was heavily recruiting me. And uh, Coach Harris, me and him have a really, really great connection. Um, I definitely could talk to him about anything, and he definitely taught me a lot even after leaving his, you know, his room from outside linebacker because he's the outside linebacker coach. After leaving his room, going to D-line, I still could go back and talk to him as much as I want or ask him questions about the overall defense that helped me become, you know, just a better player and things like that, as well as Coach Farrington. You know, he's very uh, team-oriented. He definitely loves everybody. He can go down the whole roster, you know, name the parents, the the, uh, the nieces and nephews of the players, and he can do he can do a lot of things. Shows how much he really cares about the team itself. Yeah. And we sort of made mention of this earlier about the change in how much the mental side of the game it always matters, but clearly how much it matters increases as you go up in levels. Yes, a lot of times in high school, you might watch film, but you're, you know, half the time you're saying, oh, you know, hey, look at me. You know, you're looking at yourself or you're looking at certain things, but, you know, you may not be getting everything. And, of course, it depends on, you know, how, how, how much your coaches stress it. But there are some yes, places where you're watching tape, but you may not be getting everything out of it, right? And then you keep watching more tape as you go up and up and up in, in levels, and tape matters more and more. Tell me about how you first got introduced to to watching tape, you know, tape study, and when did your film study start to really take a big jump forward? Yes, sir. so I, I was introduced, I think, sophomore year in high school uh, that summer. We, I mean, the coaches brought it, brought it to the attention. We started having team sessions on Sunday, um, and then from there. But even in high school, uh, we watched it as a team, but like you said, you know, we're just kind of watching ourselves or look for big plays. We're not actually watching it, and we didn't actually know how to break film down. But coming into college, you know, I learned very fast that watching film can definitely help, you know, increase your game and bring it to the next level. So now just watching film, I definitely watch film a lot just from formations, uh, you know, who's in the backfield, things like that. And I watch the guards or the tackles, like in pass setting. Uh, how how that goes, you know, how they set, how they set their feet, and I can kind of game plan the moves I'll bring into this week and, you know, what would have helped me the most to get to the quarterback. Okay. And let me just check. Uh, have we been joined by our third guest? Just trying to see who else may have joined us. Okay. Maybe not. Just, can, just making sure. All right. Uh, so you find yourself now becoming this, more experienced and more refined student of the game. And I think you might have heard me ask this question of Madre. I'll ask it now of you. Can you tell me about a play that you've made in your career, perhaps one that changed the direction of a game that you made because of that, because of studying something you might have seen, uh, might have been a formation, might have been a, a tendency you spotted, uh, tell me about something that you were able to do because of something you spotted in film study. Um, I can't uh, – I'll, I'll speak about the, just the run game first. I can't remember a particular play, but I know uh, just about many of the plays I made in the backfield is because I've watched 
what teams run or how they run in certain formations. You know, you got two backs in the backfield, one back in the backfield, you know, 11 personnel, things like that. Most of the plays I made in the backfield, I can anticipate what they're going to run, you know, just just by watching film and just by, you know, the, the light, how heavy the offensive linemen are is on their hands or things like that. Um, one play particular this year was, you know, the past play, coach asked me, you know, he, he had trusted me, asked me what play, what I like, what I would like to run. Um, and it just happened to be the you know, last play of the game I got a sack just because I knew the offensive tackle I was going against hard sets every time. So just from watching film, I, I watched that, and he asked me what play would I want to run. You know, I just let the plays let me come off the edge, and, you know, I was able to end the game on a sack on that play. And that just comes from, like, knowing, you know, playing the game throughout the whole game and watching film, knowing that, when he's tired or if it's a definite pass play, this is how he's going to protect. And so knowing that, it was able to allow me to do what I do. Okay. And most, most student athletes undergo a transition when they leave high school, get to college. Part of it's just learning how to live, right? You're, you're not in your mother's home anymore. You're not living by someone else, well, you're still living by someone else's rules, I guess, but it's not your parents' rules. There's not somebody coming in and telling you, turn off the lights at a certain time. There's someone telling you, you know, wear this or don't wear that or eat this or don't eat that. What was your real welcome to college football moment? Sometimes it's, you know, speed of the game. Sometimes it's, you know, somebody just overpowers you. Sometimes it's just, how fast or physical the first practice is. For you, what was the thing that woke you up to the fact that you're not in high school anymore? I'd definitely say that the strength of the players, uh, it, it hit me very fast. Just, you know, being in high school, I also played on the edge. So, I, you know, I didn't really – I didn't have to touch about it and have to. I just go to the ball. Um, in college, you, you have to make contact. You know, you have to stop people, you know, with outside zones, things that you have to set the edge and things like that. So, uh, my freshman year, we had we had a great offensive lineman. Um, you know, just hitting him every day, it definitely made me better. But I, you know, it also shocked me the first time it happened. Like, okay, it's time to get you know, got to get a little stronger, got to get a little bigger, got to be able to uh, be hammering out the nail. Okay, and tell me about the weight room. Uh, I think there's one thing that most people who watch football but haven't played it don't understand is how much work has to happen before you ever get to the field to get ready to play. Yeah, most definitely. So in high school, uh, we didn't lift as much. Uh, they started implementing it. You know, like I said, we were a small school and we we're primarily a basketball school. So they started implementing it like my senior summer or my junior summer. We started implementing weightlifting a lot, but we didn't lift as much. So coming in as a freshman, um, I mean, I was average strength. I wasn't super strong. I wasn't the you know, strongest freshman. But I did, you know, fortunately have great technique coming in as a freshman. So I just really had to up my intensity as I trained. But it definitely was a difference from not lifting as much in high school to lifting every day, coming from the summer, you know, running every day and lifting every day, and then going into the season, things like that. So, I mean, it definitely helps. And a lot of people don't understand how much work you have to put in just to actually get to the field. You know? so. Okay. And – what are your what are your your personal records in your in your, I, I assume that you guys do a fair amount of power clean squat and probably a certain amount of benching. Yes, sir. 
Okay. Well, what are your? I guess uh, one. What are your? What is your favorite list? And then what are your your best numbers that you've ever put up in in your lifts? Uh, so I, I would say my favorite lift probably be power clean. Uh, and my max for that was three forty five. Um, okay. Yes, sir. After that, I'll probably go squat. Squat's probably the next one. You know, my max for that was five thirty five. So I, I, okay. I would say those are two, my two best lifts. Okay. And it sounds like you you, you don't you sounds like you're not pushing people out of the way to get to the bench uh, the bench rack. Huh? That's not your favorite. No, I mean, I, you know, I definitely, uh, me and Bench, we definitely got a great relationship. <laughs> uh, my max is okay. <laughs> okay. So all your numbers are solid. Okay. So you've, you've clearly embraced getting stronger. Could you tell the difference in your own play between, you know, when you first got there as a, as a freshman and your second year of playing? Most definitely. Most definitely, embracing it. Even so, even coming in as a freshman, even though I was I was working hard, you know. And then I get on the field, I was able to play as a true freshman, and it's like, okay, these guys are still a little strong. And then coming in after the freshman year to the sophomore year, you can definitely feel the strength, and you can see the difference. in, you know, when you actually use the use the weight room on the field, that you can definitely feel the difference. Okay. And once you did get to college. Who are some of the most impressive guys you faced? Some of the who are some of the best players you faced in your collegiate career, or played with? I guess it could be either guys you played with or guys you played against, or a combination. Yes, yeah, so, I mean, uh, so like I said, freshman year, I had a wake up call with with uh, these offensive linemen, uh, Casey Stewart and Mike Thomas. They were the guard and center combo that we had my freshman year. You know, they were you know studs. Definitely, uh, definitely great, great offense lineman. Uh, you know, I, I played with some good people as well. Uh, Matt Thomas, I was able to play with him. He was a great athlete on the field. Um, I've also played against, you know, played against, you know, really good quarterbacks. You know, just just now, um, you know, Rogan Wilson bought Austin State. Um, he slipped his slipped his mind, but you got the quarterback from West Florida through 600 yards in the national championship game. You know, being able to hit him and do things like that, that, that definitely. That was a big Thomas man, things like that. Uh, so yeah, I played against some great players, played with some great players. You, yes, you have. Yes, and always the big question people ask when people come from Division Two, or they come from sometimes even when they come from FCS, or or definitely when they come from NAIA or Division Three, is how they'll hold up uh, when they face, you know, whatever level, a higher level or different level of competition. Now, we're in all-star game season. Tell me about how you've navigated the all-star games. Uh, to which all-star games had you been invited, and how did you decide which ones were the ones where you wished to participate? Yes, sir. So uh, tomorrow I'll be heading out to Pasadena to participate in NFL PA Bowl. I'll be doing that yep. you know, this following week, be able to play in that. I've uh, just been training, getting ready for that. Because I understand that question, how will I be able to hold up against you know, you know how they say the better guys or the bigger guys? Really so excited to see what I can do with that level. And of course, you'll be getting some NFL coaching, so that'll yes, be sir. an exciting experience. I have had the experience of uh, covering the NFLPA game. I've done it a couple times, and I remember the whole second to last time I went there. Daryl Green was coaching the defensive backs for the uh, national 
I think, don't quote me which side it was, but I remember he was the defensive backs coach. And he had these two twins from um, uh, uh, not central Missouri. Um, What's the other? The other, there's another Missouri one. God, it's not central. I care which one of the, it was one of the Missouri, it was one of the D2 powerhouses in the state of Missouri. It might have been central. It might have been central Missouri. I can't remember if it was central Missouri, southeastern Missouri, one of those, but the Dixon twins. So Bryce and, uh, yeah, right, the Dixon twins, Bryce and um, Brandon. I can't remember the other twins' name was, but the Dixon twins. And they had, you know, played, Played a couple of camp, different kinds of zone. They played man, but they never played off man in their lives. Not in high school, not in college, nowhere. Daryl Green, in two practices, had those kids playing off man coverage as if they've been doing it for years. The, the man is amazing. Uh, yeah. Hall of Fame person, Hall of Fame player, and from what I saw, a really good uh, teacher of technique. So hopefully, somebody will get their hands on you who has a similar gift, and you'll get a chance to you know, to learn a bunch. So I, I definitely hope you'll sort of, you know, keep notes. Uh, one is just for the, all the things you're going to learn, but I would definitely have to circle back with you in the future to pick your brain about what this experience was like and publish an article about what it's like uh, to be a participant in the NFLPA game, what you went through, how fast things were, what guys impressed you, what things the coaching staff taught you and all that good stuff. Uh, I don't think people understand, one, how fast it moves. Uh, there's only a handful of full practices. You, you're getting there on this coming Sunday? Yes, sir. Okay. And then there's a walkthrough Monday, and then they have full practices, what, just Tuesday and Thursday, and then another walkthrough. Tuesday and uh, Wednesday, and then, a, uh, what, another walkthrough on Thursday? I'm not sure yet. <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, you'll let me know. I'll follow up with you. You can tell me how to actually structure it. But I know that it moves very, very quickly. And you only have a handful of, I think there's something like three padded practices. But what, you'll let me know. But, yes, you let me know what, how it went and what you learned and who you saw and all that good stuff when we follow up with you. I, I think it's going to be a great experience for you. Yes, sir, most definitely. I'm, um, I'm you, very grateful for it. Yeah. Now, do you know anybody else? Because um, I know sometimes guys will see guys they knew, whether they played with them in high school or college. Is there anyone that you know who was also headed out there that you already know? Uh, the, the linebacker from uh, University of South Carolina, TJ. Uh, don't know him too well. Oh. We, we did go from the same city. Um, you know, he was USC, oh. so know of him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm sure you guys will get a chance to reconnect, so perfect. Okay, so obviously, like any young person, you start as a freshman, you, you're trying to figure out, you know, where to do everything, you know, what, what to do, how to do, where to do, where to get your hair cut, right? Where, where, where is the food halfway decent, all that stuff. You've got to figure out as a freshman. <clears throat> and then plus, try to play football and go to school and all that stuff. Then you become a sophomore, you, you know, you've, you've kind of adjusted, you're getting stronger, you're figuring out how to manage your time better. Then you become a junior. You're seen as one of the upper class and one of the leaders of the team. And obviously, you, this past year, you entered into your final year. 
tell me what that's like uh, for you becoming a leader, uh, what your leadership style is. You said coaches trusted you. They would ask you sometimes for your input on how to attack certain, uh, certain offenses or certain situations. Tell me about how you became a leader on your team and what your leadership style is. Um, so, uh, like I was uh, preaching earlier, I think my leadership style isn't overly aggressive. I like to learn each of the players and, you know, talk to them or, you know, some of them like yelling. But I, I definitely like to learn each individual player on the team to see how I can talk to them and help, you know, make them the best player as well. Uh, just getting the coach's trust is just by uh, – so, like, my sophomore, junior year, I, I played a lot of significant reps. But you couldn't tell because, you know, my, my stats weren't, you know, astronomically high or anything. But when you go on film, you know – uh, Chauncey Haney's doing his job. He's in his gap. He's, you know, where he's supposed to be. So doing that for the four years that I've been playing, knowing that he's going to be there when I need him to be there and every time, uh, that just gains the, the coach's trust. So coming into the senior year, you know, uh, they, they already know I know what to do. They know I can do it and I will do it. So from there, then they can ask, it was like, hey, what do you think, you know, what's the best place for you to be at this moment? You know, they, they'll ask me every now and then. You know, of course, it's still, you know, still their job. They did all the coaching. But they asked my input because, you know, I'm the one playing. I'm the one on the field. But I definitely uh, earned their trust just by doing my job. And I think that's that's how anybody can earn anyone's trust is just doing your job and, uh, you know, doing your 111s. Okay. Got it. Got it. And sort of one last question about, uh, your your place on the team, I guess your your role and how you fit in, and you know when things do not go well. well that's obviously when leadership matters most, right? There's when everything's going great, you know, everybody's happy, everything's going well. Tell me about some adversity. Could have been whether it be you know injuries, whether it be just bad luck, whether it just be you know another team manage to get an advantage over you, whatever it is, uh, walk me through a, a tough time that you and your teammates had and how you guys came out of it. Let's see. I mean, like I said, most of the games we played, won or lost, they were very close. Uh, we can take Newberry, you know, first game of the season, for example. Um, this year, they, you know, it's a very tough game, first game of the season. Everyone has their, their rust and things like that. And it was just very close. I think Newberry, at the end of the fourth quarter, they, they ended up scoring, I believe. And then we were – our offense were able to put it in, and then defense, of course, is back on the field. And we just – you know, me being – my attitude never changes wins and loses, you know, uh, or winning or losing during the game. So my, I'm, I'm always uplifting and trying to encourage people, and, you know, making sure no one's blaming anyone. Because uh, at any day, everyone has some fault in any, you know, things. So make sure everyone's not blaming anybody. We're sticking together. So Newberry, you know, we were just able to get back on the field and, and finish the game off, first game of the season, uh, come out with a win. Okay. And Newberry is traditionally a very tough opponent, as I'm sure you already know. <laughs> yes, sir. Okay. And... Give me a name or two, and these could be guys that you played with or even guys you played against, but guys who are maybe underclassmen right now, but you think they're going to be really, really good down the road. You know, they might be sophomores, fresh, well, they're going to be freshmen, but they might be sophomores next year or juniors next year or even guys who might be seniors next year who maybe I'm not, maybe I haven't already watched a lot, but, but you know I should because these guys are going to be really good. Who are some of the future guys 
in your conference or, or other guys that you played against, if there's guys outside of your conference that you noticed, but who are some guys that you know are going to be good next year and maybe in the year after that? Yes, sir. Um, so we definitely have a few players. We have Dre Williams. Uh, you know, he battled injury uh, this year, but he's definitely going to be a, a heck of a player coming up. Uh, um, uh, what's his name? Austin Reed, most definitely. Uh, West Florida's quarterback. He was a redshirt freshman. Uh, you know, led him to the national championship. They're definitely going to have a very, you know, a very good quarterback back there to be with them next three years. Um, there are a few other players. Uh, uh, you have Caleb Barnum. He's a linebacker. He's going to, I think, he's going to get a, a bigger shot this year. A greater opportunity. Uh, be able to show everyone what he can do. He has great size and he's great, great athlete and things like that. There's a few other players. Um. You know, can't think of right now, but most definitely, I mean, I believe we're in one of the best conference in Division Two football. So, even if there's not individuals, there's definitely teams that you should definitely look at more for having players. Okay. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. And since I've you know got you putting your sort of student of the game slash scout hat on, I want to move you to you know looking at looking up. No, not just guys who are maybe at your level, but next level. Who are your favorite guys to watch? Uh, who are you guys that you feel like you learn from or, or maybe just get fired up or inspired watching them play? Who are your favorite players to watch? Yes, sir. So I like watching Cam Jordan of the Saints, um, Everson Griffin from the Vikings. Uh, uh, those are just a few guys' names. But just, you know, looking at other, anybody, uh, any, a lot of defensive players, I, I just like watching defense in general, just firing up how, how everything works. You know, because defense, if, if one person messes up, it could ruin the whole defense. So I like watching defenses in general, not just specific players, just seeing how it works because it's all like a machine. Okay. And are there, are there favorite defenses? Maybe you like things about maybe, maybe you like things about how they attack certain situations or how they cover up, you know, what looks like a weakness and, and keep teams from um, – you know, being able to to get yards they think they might get. Yes, sir. Uh, I think one game that stood out to me uh, the most was last year, the Wildcat game, uh, the Ravens versus the Chargers. And just so the technique that we use, uh, is, I mean, it's basically just penetration. Uh, we call it Oakley stuff, but getting vertical. And the Chargers, I think that's definitely how they beat the Ravens last year, just getting penetration in the backfield. So it's like they're not playing lateral with the offensive lineman. It's straight up field and just on every play you can see three, four people in the backfield. And once everyone's in the backfield, you know, it's hard for the offense to, you know, do what they do best. So I feel like that game and their defense really stood out to me, you know, how they moved all their linebackers out and put the safeties in and were able, you know, so people could move around and match up with Lamar Jackson a lot. I really like how the Chargers uh, game plan against the Ravens in that game. Okay. And they do have some great minds in that, uh, in that That organization has some tremendous defensive minds. And obviously everyone talks about, you know, Don, a.k.a. Wink Martindale, who's one of the great defensive coordinators in, I think, in the history of the league. You know, so that, that's a good choice. That, that defense does a lot of interesting things. So I'm going to keep moving you forward. Uh, as you prepare yourself mentally and physically to play the highest level of football on the planet Earth against some of the best athletes on the planet Earth, right, for the one of the most difficult things to obtain on the planet Earth, which is a, a roster spot in the NFL, tell me about your preparation. What are the things you're working on? 
uh, where are you working on these things, and, and what are the things you specifically want to sharpen in your game to get ready for that crucible? Uh, so most definitely playing um, playing with my links, uh, being able to use my use my links as my as my weapon. And uh, one thing I want to do is show that I'm versatile. So like even coming from the defense, I came when we were three four, and I was in a four technique playing with the guards and tackles. So I want to be able to let them know that hey, if you need me to, I can drop in the flats. You know, if you need me to, I can go cover that wheel route. Or if I, you know, um, being able to. Being able to polish my passers game from the uh, five technique, you know, seven technique, things like that. Because on my film, you see I'm in a four technique a lot. So I want them, you know, just to show that I can, uh, I am versatile and I'll be able to do a lot of things, being a lot of, be able to be in a lot of different packages and things like that. Well, we we did just mention the um, NFL PA game. Do you know? What position you'll actually be playing in your All Star All Star game? No, sir, not yet. I mean, it's listed as defensive end. So I'm, I'm assuming that's what okay. it is, but yes, sir. Okay. Well, once again, I'm going to be following up with you, so you get an email from us uh, as you're finishing up your your excellent opportunity out there. I do I do want to know at some point during that process how it is they told you what position you're going to actually be playing and what defense they end up running because obviously they're going to keep it pretty simple. There won't yeah. be a whole lot of moving around and things like that. But I wonder if it, they will be asking you to do anything besides just get up field where they want you at any point to. I mean, obviously, you, you know what it is to gap, and that's – I don't. once again, I don't think most human beings have any idea what a difficult thing is being asked of someone because <laughs> yeah. that's 600 pounds of angry dude. Right? I mean, like, I mean, think about that, right? 600 pounds of angry human. They're saying, oh, just keep them in this one place right here. Oh, and then possibly play off of one or both of them to make a play against either a, a, a quarterback or a, or a running back. While there's 600 pounds of angry human trying to take you someplace you don't want to go. Yes, sir. I'm impressed by anybody who manages to play too. Yeah, <laughs> um, and obviously they do let you get, get a feel as well. I mean, they asked you. You said versatility. That's something I do notice about you. You've already shown a certain amount of versatility. You know, so I do hope that they do some interesting things with you at the NFLPA game. Okay, so last last few questions. Uh, about three, four more. You mentioned that you know you don't even know how you'll be used, obviously, at the next level. Someone mm -hmm. may say, hey, we want you to get down to 245 and play, you know, Sam Backer in a 4-3. Or somebody could say, we want you right at the way you are now, but you're going to play um, weak outside linebacker in a 3-4. In a or somebody could say, we want you to put on 25 to 30 pounds, and we want you to play five technique. Or somebody could say, we want you to put on 40 pounds, and we want you to play three technique. <laughs> um, a lot could happen to you. If yes, you could definitely. choose, if, right, if you could choose, if it were up to you, right, if someone said, you tell us how you want to be used and that's how we'll use you, if you got to choose your future, what would you want? What would you say, this is how I should be used, this is perfect for me? Uh, so I think, you know, in a perfect world, I'd be able to play uh, two positions, which would be the 4-3 defensive end, most definitely, and then a, a, a three, four outside linebacker being able to set the edge, as well as rushing the passer. 
I really think those are those are my strongest positions. Yeah, I'm I'm inclined to agree. As I mentioned, I'm very much impressed with how how well you've handled being used the way you've been used because mm-hmm. I can I mean, who wouldn't rather just be chasing quarterbacks, but you've done a lot of work in the run in the run game, you've done a lot of work but you are getting upfield, but you're getting upfield, you know, from more of an interior style rush where you're, you know, as you said, making yes, some collisions please. with multiple large people. And you've managed yes, to survive it all. You've managed yeah. to survive it all. <laughs> so, I'm so I'm going to ask you a couple more things about that. When you do face, he said, sometimes you're facing center guards, tackles and guards. You know, sometimes you may be facing a tight end and a tackle. There's multiple humans, right? You make contact with multiple humans a lot of times. What is it that you have done or what is it that you have that allows you to not get, first of all, just get discouraged because you're not just – getting to beat somebody on their uphill shoulder and run into a quarterback. I mean, occasionally you get to do that, but most of the time you're, yeah. like I said, yeah. facing 600 pounds of angry human. Just take me through what allows you not to just feel like forget this. Uh, so uh, most definitely starts with the get-off. Um, so being able to touch them before they touch you, and like I said, I do have uh, long arms, so that helps a lot. So getting separation and getting a good strike on them and being able to separate and then that was just leading to the, the third thing is, like, it's 600 pounds. No one wants to be in between them. So the, the thing I, I make sure I do is learn how to get off blocks fast. So, yeah, we, I might touch 600 pounds, but I'm not staying on 600 pounds long. So the thing I like to do is just get off the ball as fast as I can and be able to get off of the man, you know, be able to split double teams or fight pressure pressure to get in the backfield or get off of the 600 pounds. Like you said, no one wants 600 pounds land on them. So just definitely trying to be quicker than them and being able to get off of them before they can, you know, do their damage or whatever. Okay, excellent. So I'm going to walk you looking at sort of forward through, you know, the, the future, uh, as we talked about. So I think you're the kind of guy that may end up really bouncing around, and not just, yes. just team to team, but even position to position. Because it might take a while before somebody who really knows what to do with all the different things you know how to do finds you. Now, hopefully, that will happen right out of the box. And some team will just fall in love with a guy who can play four, legitimately, four different positions in their defense. I mean, that is what Bill Belichick's known for, right? I mean, he loves moving people around and asking them to, you know, he had guys who play defensive end and safety sometimes, you know. <laughs> I mean, right? Remember when he had a Delius Thomas? No, yeah. probably not. Before your time. No. But, um, no, no, no. But, right. This is the advantage of being old. But he he had, he did all kinds of crazy stuff. I mean, at one point, of course, he had Troy Brown, a starting wide receiver, playing slot corner. Uh, that was actually more due to you know necessity. But you know, he would have Mike Brable play some tight end. 
short yardage, and he's caught some like seven NFL touchdowns or something like that. Maybe maybe two of that, but a decent number. Uh, but mostly on defense, he asked guys to play lots of places. So a guy may end up playing literally everything from defensive end to safety at various points. Uh, I've seen him play various players at every single one of the linebacker spots in various situations, as well as, you know, defensive end. So there's a lot of guys who play a lot of different spots in, in his defenses, obviously. So, you know, that would be a great opportunity, obviously, if you got to play. Now, it's a mentally challenging defense, as I'm sure you've already heard, because he wants everyone to know everything about everything. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's famous for his quizzes, right, Bibliotex pop quizzes, where he asks you, I mean, it might be something about special teams, even if you're on defense or offense. It might be something about offense, even if you're on defense. So, but he doesn't care. Exactly. He wants you to know everything. And uh, sometimes it's about your teammates. Where did so-and-so go to high school? Where did so-and-so go to college? You know, he'll quiz you on what other sports your teammates played growing up. He just wants you to know everything about everything because he's Bill Belichick. And that's that little – he looks for every little advantage, right, even the littlest of advantages. And team cohesion, right, guys knowing each other, he thinks that's an advantage. So he makes these guys learn each other. Just he makes them talk to each other because you never know who might ask you about on a pop quiz. He's not likely to ask you about Tom Brady because you know, like everyone knows about it, Tom Brady. He's likely to ask you about the puncher, you know, like whatever somebody maybe you don't know about it as much about. So if you do end up in Patriots camp, in addition to all the other stuff you're doing, go to that media guy at some point and learn about your teammates because you never know. Belichick is world famous for his pop quizzes. Okay, last couple questions. So if I were talking to an NFL scout and I was trying to get this NFL scout interested in you, what would you want me to show that scout? Is there a particular play or a particular game that you've had that you think best explains best shows who you are, what you could be as a player, so I could get that scout interested? Uh, I would I would definitely, from this season, I would definitely say Delta State. And that, that'll just show, because uh, you can look at me and see I'm long. You can look at me and see I'm, I'm pretty quick, things like that. But Delta State, uh, I definitely showed my physical ability. Uh, I think that was one of the biggest offensive lines in, in, that we played this year. And you can see how – I handle even playing the double teams with the tight end in the tackle or playing the double teams with the guard in the tackle and just showing my physical ability, like me being physical and violent at the point of attack and being able to get on and off of blocks. Uh, that's also a game I, I had my career high of 17 tackles. So, I mean, it also shows the effort I give as well as me being violent at the point of attack and being able to get all over the field while, you know, facing these double teams all, all you know, the whole game. I think this is like week five. So, at this point, I've already had, you know, pretty good numbers. So now teams are planning on me. You know, so I think that showed that no matter how they plan against me, I'm going to do do my best and be able to do it. And, I mean, the stats from that game and the film from that game showed that I did that. Wow, how crazy is that? <laughs> Playing the position you played, the way you played it, 17 tackles. I, I, that's just a mind-boggling <laughs> because <laughs> – yeah, it shows, like you said, that you don't stay blocked, right? You can't yeah. stay blocked and get 17 tackles. You can't. 
Okay. Perfect. That's that's a terrific game. That's a terrific uh, example, I think, of what it is that you bring to the table. And I'm excited to see what comes next for you. Obviously, the numbers are tough for everybody. If you went to, you know, if you were coming from Texas or USC or, you know, Clemson, the numbers are tough for everybody. But obviously, when you're coming from D2 football, you know, literally you can count on, you know, probably two hands. Yeah. Sometimes with a finger left over, but, but the number of guys from yeah. D two are going to stick on on rosters each year. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't have to tell you this, but you need to basically kill someone on every <laughs> right because mm-hmm. you're not going to get that many reps. Unfortunately, that's the real issue. The issue with being the young cat isn't that you mess up or whatever. It's that you get so few reps that unless you do something memorable in those few reps, they're going to stick with the guys they have, right? Because you're, it's not like they have a bunch of open slots they're trying to fill them. No, they've got, they've had a roster already. You got to push somebody off. I, I wish yes, I wish there was a nice way to put it, but there isn't. You've got to look out there and say, well, they got X number of guys. Which one of these guys, or two or three guys, or whatever, can I make sure is going to have to find another place to play? Right? I mean, it's it's harsh, but it's harsh, right? I mean, well, I'm just being honest. If you don't have a little bit. A little bit of hardness in your, you know, like, don't be a bad person. Don't be a hard-hearted person, but you got to have a little bit of hardness because you're looking big. Hey, I'm sorry, man. You, your kids, and you got to move. You're, you know, you're, you're, your kids got to make new friends, right? Your wife has to find a new place to work, all that stuff. Sorry, but I need it worse than you do, right? <laughs> like, that's kind of, I mean, I hate to put it that way, but unless, it's t- that's part of the tough, like, the, what they call killer, you know, killer instinct, whatever. I mean, that's. I don't want to overstate the case, but I've known guys who didn't make it, even though they were more than physically and even mentally talented enough, but because they, 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 there was a certain amount of them, like they, a part of them couldn't, they felt so bad, like, oh, man, if I do this and this guy's going to lose his job. Well, yeah, that's what it means. There's only 1,560 of those jobs. We yes, called them a roster practice squad, but even then, we're still talking about a small number. Once you toss in practice squad, we're still coming in at, what, 1,500 or something? I mean, it's still not a big number. And yes, I, I cannot strongly enough urge that you take advantage of everything. So if you've got to embarrass somebody, if you got to whatever it is, whatever you got to do, hey, they tell you to run down on punt team, wipe somebody out. Somebody's got mm-hmm. to eat it. On this punt cover, sorry, somebody's going down. So I mean, I, I hate to we pick out a victim every rep you get, and you got to make that dude look bad, whoever that is, right? You got to make him look bad. And if, if he, because I mean, I hate to he probably do the same to you, right? If he had the chance, because it's it's a tiny fraternity, man. Yeah, you could fit all the people. You could fit all the people who've ever played in the NFL in the history of the NFL, right? You could fit all of those people who've ever played in the league in 100 years, right? In 100 years, you could fit them all, you know, in like a fairly small, I mean, like anything, like, uh, like Manhattan Island, right? Like 22 miles squared. You could fit everybody who's ever played in the history league on like the island of Manhattan. Like it wouldn't take California. 
You know what I mean? Like, like that, that'd be, very few people have ever played in the NFL. A tiny number of people who played college ball will play pro ball, right? A teeny percentage. Teeny. So I hope you get your shot. I hope you do everything with that shot when you get it. I hope you sneak back into the line, you know, kind of cut your way, try to steal that extra rep. Yeah, Sorry, got you. Right? If they, Right? Maybe they catch you, maybe they don't. If they send you to the end of the line, you think they, they have to remember you, like, oh, that kid's trying to get an extra rep. Like, they kind of admire that. I know a lot of coaches. That kid who's trying to get an extra rep, they don't get re- they may yell at you, but not really mad. Yeah. And we said this before when we had Madre on, be on every special team possible. Be on all of them. Yes, sir. Understand? Yeah, gotta gotta get gotta get seen as as many times as you can, especially with like you said, it's it's only a week to show them, especially from coming from Division two schools, only a week to show them what I can do and that I can do it. So, gotta take advantage. Yes, yeah. yeah, do everything you can. Uh, so, tell people where they can find and follow you, social media wise, or you know, learn more about you. Uh, yes, sir. So, um, Instagram, you can follow me on. Uh, you can underscore eleven reasons. Uh, that's my Instagram, and on Twitter is just uh, my first and last name. It'll be at Chauncey Haney. Chauncey without an E. Right, no E. Got it. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, first of all, Chauncey, you have two or three games that I've seen where it's just fascinating. The things I've seen you do, because. I'll be honest, you, I thought you were bigger because I saw some of the things I saw you doing with guys that I associate with bigger players. And you think mm-hmm. you have long arms. You're strong for your size. Then, of course, the big fascination will be how well you play in space because you didn't get a chance to show a lot of that, obviously, in your collegiate career. So I'm excited for what's happening with you next. Please give me an update as soon as you're able to from your NFL PA game experience. Hopefully, they'll give you a chance to show about what things you can do, maybe some hook, hook curl, you know, uh, flat kind of uh, zone dropping, and maybe even let you do some man coverage. Who knows? Um, we'll okay. see. But let me, let me know with all of that. I, I, I do very much look forward to what, what the future brings for you. It has been exciting and fun, frankly, watching you develop as a person and as a player. So thank you so much for giving me some of your time. Some of uh, letting us know more about your talent and giving some of your attention. Yes, sir. No, uh, appreciate you well, allowing me to come on, come on to the show. Certainly, certainly. Um, you're going to do an email after the show with some follow-up questions, and of course, you'll get a separate email regarding just the NFLPA game experience. And I'll be using that to build out a, an article and build out a profile about you, which will show up on um, Nuts and Bolts Sports. And I'll send you a link to that article when it drops. It is. Always a pleasure. Thank you so much for your time, young man. Yes, sir. Thank you again. Certainly. All right. Have a good day. Yes, have a great. Every fan knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer. Put LifeLock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss. Plus, with a U.S.-based restoration specialist on your team, you won't have to face drained accounts, fraudulent loans, or other losses from identity theft alone. All backed by the LifeLock Million Dollar Protection Package. 
Change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.